were the days of just keeping time of hanging around in sleepy towns forever back roads empty for miles well you can't have a dream and cut it to fit but when i saw you i knew we'd go together like a wink and a smile Hello and welcome to the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Manny Manuel. And I am definitely not Sam Reimer. I'm Jordan <laughs> Spires. <laughs> now, people might be a little confused as to why there is no Samuel in the Samuel Manuel <laughs> Movie Podcast. And that is because my illustrious co-host is sick. And I put out the bat signal, short notice... And who answered but the all-time leader in podcast appearances on our podcast, Jordan Spires. Spires, Woo! thank you so much. <laughs> Super short notice. Mere hours. Yeah, really. <laughs> Mere hours. Like, what, nine hours ago, roughly? Yeah, something like that. I was definitely sitting at work looking at my phone and... Like, I'd probably do that. I could squeeze that in tonight. That could yeah. be fun. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we had to uh, we had to we had to do a short notice, but Jordan had recently watched this movie and I've watched this movie so many times. So I think <laughs> that we're in for an excellent show. So seven times now. Yeah. Jordan. We that feels great. <laughs> we start off. We start off with annihilation. Oh and, man, that was so long ago. <laughs> so long ago. Hold on, I could actually find out when that was. It was right here. I, I mean, it was. You know, March, Sam's been in Kamloops for almost a year now, and March, it was before he moved in. March twenty third of twenty nineteen. Damn. Yep. That's almost three years ago. <laughs> yeah. Holy Crazy. shit. Crazy. <laughs> then we did Toy Story four. Yep. Yep. Which you were a little underwhelmed by. I was a little underwhelmed. Still enjoyed it. Yeah. But a little underwhelmed. Then we moved on to Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Which, cool. if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> is like in your top five movies of all time? It's my favorite movie of all time. It's number one. It's my number one. Wicked. <laughs> I fucking love that movie. And I cannot tell you how nervous I was to come on and hear you talk about that movie. I'm like, <laughs> if Manny hates this movie, I might cry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thankfully, that wasn't the case. No, it was not the case. <laughs> <laughs> then we had Harry Potter, the Deathly Hallows Part 2, as well as the wrap-up to the entire Harry Potter series. Oh, yeah. <laughs> good, good times. Oh, that was so much fun. I was so excited you guys were doing Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah oh, was that was a highlight. Good. Wicked. <laughs> then we had Arrival and Dune, back-to-back. -back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you've just been on and... the board with some really great movies. I really have been. <laughs> and then we have Sleepless in Seattle, which we won't spoil anything. We'll find out what your thoughts are. I know That's that right. this is below another movie that is quite similar. We'll get into that discussion when we get there. Oh, you're right. We super, super well. <laughs> but before we get into uh, the movies here, there was actually something very important that happened this week. Uh, and that is the Oscar nominations were announced this week, this year, for this year. And... Uh, we're just going to quickly go through some of them. So the best picture, they decided that they are going to do a full 10, 
not uh, anywhere from five to ten, a full ten. So the uh, the best picture nominees this year are Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Jordan, how many of these have you seen so far? I believe I've seen six of them. Yeah, same here. I'm missing. Yeah. Uh... Oh, maybe seven. No, you got to be seven because you've seen. Yeah, because I've seen Belfast. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So what ones Hang haven't on. you seen? I haven't so obviously seen you Drive My Car. Yeah, I haven't seen Drive My Car, uh, Licorice Pizza, or Nightmare Alley. Oh, okay. Those are the ones I'm missing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm at this. Oh, yeah. I've seen Belfast Coda, Don't Look Up, Dune, King Richard, Power of yeah. the Dog. Okay, yeah. So I'm missing Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, and Drive My Car. So I'm at seven. Oh, yeah. interesting. Why did I say six? Whatever. Uh, I really didn't really want to watch Nightmare Alley. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what me neither <laughs> i'm just uh, i i i think i'm i think i'm still a little uh carrying some uh del toro uh disappointment over shape of water winning best picture oh interesting i think i just saw the trailer and didn't think it looked very interesting <laughs> Uh, it was one where I remember, like, I remember sitting, I don't know what movies I was at, but it was in front of a bunch of them, and, like, I feel like that movie's probably gonna be bad, and I'm like, maybe if it comes on a streamer, I'll watch it, but I'm not gonna go out of my way to watch it, so it being on this list definitely shocked me. Yeah, I, I don't, prepared. it's already come and gone from Kamloops? Yeah, so yeah, I, it's, I don't think it's in Calgary either, actually. I don't know how I'm gonna be able to see this, because I don't know if it's gonna hit premium VOD in time for me to watch it, so. Oh, true. I'm gonna have to, I'll have to do some research. Or I might have to take a road trip. Yeah. I'm, maybe if I'm lucky, the Kenlops Film Society will be bringing it back to town here shortly. Yeah, I don't think... It's definitely not playing... It's not playing here. Really? But That's surprising. I don't think so. I think it was. I bet It definitely you, did for a while, but I think it's just been... It was out... Because it came out a little while ago. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you it'll come back to Calgary after this Best Picture nomination. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And we have... Uh, we had a cute little movie theater that got hit really hard by the pandemic just opened up a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. and they've been playing like that's where I saw Belfast right now they're playing King Richard and the power of the dog or sorry they're playing the power of the dog and uh, the tragedy of Macbeth so I think they'll 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 have all of these movies in their theater at some point <laughs> I hope at least while I personally didn't like the tragedy of Macbeth that, that was the surprising snub here for me oh yeah that hurts I'm not going to lie. That hurts because I loved that movie. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, I could watch it again. Easy. While, while I, uh, I, I didn't like the movie, it's only 100% only because I just do not connect with Shakespeare and his iambic pentameter. It just doesn't. Yeah. I, I don't get it. It doesn't resonate with me. I have a hard time connecting to it. But the technical aspects of, uh, of Macbeth were mind-blowing. Yeah, it was visually stunning. And I, I do enjoy Shakespeare and especially Macbeth. I had a, my teacher in high school really made us love Shakespeare. And he did a really good job of teaching it and engaging us in it. Like we read the plays together as like casted people uh, and just had a great time with it. So he definitely made us love Shakespeare. So I just thought that movie was so well done. Like Denzel Washington, Francis McDormand, they were so, so good. Everything about that movie I think was spectacular. Yeah. Um, other than that, I'm so happy to see Coda on this oh, list. Me too. <laughs> so happy. 
This and is... the supporting actor nom for it too. That yes, felt good. for Joy Kotzer. Yeah, that felt good. Um, yeah, Coda. Right now, spoilers for my end of the year. It's my number one. It's the <laughs> wow. Be- it, it's your be- number one. It's the best movie I've seen this year. It, hands oh, down. I, love it. I, I cannot wait to watch it again, which I will be doing very soon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anything on this list that you that you're like, why is it here? Because I have one. The other one I was kind of funky on was Don't Look Up. Yep. I think that I I watched it. I thought it was fun. I did enjoy it. I don't think it's best picture qual- uh, caliber. I 100% agree. Like, I want to see, like, Tick, Tick, Boom up there. I agree. I that's That that was one that I was sad to not make this list. Cause I love that movie. I've seen it, like, three times now. I could watch it all, all the time. So that not being on here was... Was a little heartbreaking, and seeing seeing Don't Look Up on there was tough. Yeah, I'm, I was not a fan of Don't Look Up. I will ne- I will never watch it again. Wow. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like it. That the satire just did not hit with me. I, I was that's com- fair. I was completely unimpressed. Wow. Uh, the best director nominations: uh, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast. Uh, I'm gonna butcher this name. Probably Raisuke Hamaguchi uh, for Drive My Car. Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza. Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog, and Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. I haven't seen Drive My Car or Licorice Pizza. I love what Brana did with Belfast. I yeah. obviously love what, what Campion did with The Power of the Dog. And Steven Spielberg for West Side Story was fucking mind-blowing. <laughs> I am a little sad not to see Denis Villeneuve on here for Doom. Yeah, me too. So, I, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I was super hyped to see it get a Best Picture nom. Like, I know it's not going to win, but I'm glad that it got up there. It's not very often you see sci-fi epics get into the bat that uh best picture category um but yeah i was also a little disappointed in that that was that was a weird one uh the best actor race has javier bardem for being the ricardos benedict cumberbatch for the power of the dog andrew garfield for tick tick boom will smith for king richard and denzel washington for the tragedy of Macbeth. all five of those were easy predictions for me absolutely and i mean Anyone who knows me knows how in love I am with Andrew Garfield, so I would not love nothing more for him to take that home, but there is not a single win here that I would be upset with. There's Even being the Ricardos I thought was okay, and I think Javier Bardem was good in it. I think if anyone, I'd be disappointed when it'd be him. That would be a massive disappointment for yeah. me, for him to win. Uh, I don't, I've only think I've only seen maybe one, maybe two episodes of I Love Lucy. Uh, yeah. The only complaints I've heard about this is that uh, Javier Bardem is good in the movie, but he is not Desi Arnaz. Interesting. Yeah. I also couldn't tell you. I've never seen an episode of I Love Lucy in my life. And I think that's, like, I didn't, maybe that's why I just thought that being the Ricardos was fine, because I couldn't tell you what it was based on. But, I don't know. It did. It was a little lackluster. And he, I thought for whatever he was doing, he was good. But if he wasn't, if he wasn't what he was supposed to be, that's a whole different story. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you right now, I called it after I saw it. It's Will Smith for King Richard all the way. Really? Oh, it's it's a slam dunk win. Slam Is dunk. It? Slam dunk. I'd be happy to see it. Don't get me wrong. I would I, love to see Will Smith get an Oscar. That'd be so great. I hate I hate to use the politics of the Oscars, but it's oh. it's, it's 100% why. <laughs> Interesting. Denzel already has two Oscars. Yeah, So true. they're not going to vote for him, which is dumb. Stupid! It should not. So good. <laughs> it should not be that way. It should be a meritocracy. Whoever is it the really best be. is the best. But you have a absolute superstar who's never won an Oscar. Yeah. And he, and he also happens to be African American. Ugh. 
I don't want you to be right there, but you know, I the, I've the, been the, calling the, it since I saw it. Yeah. Well, and you almost wonder because I feel like last year the Oscars almost feels like they fucked up <laughs> with uh, with how they did their like they did the best actor category dirty last year. Yep. So you almost wonder if they might try to make up with it in that way too. Yep. Interesting. I don't with if people are wondering what they're what we're talking about last oh, year. Oh yeah. Is they purposely set best actor as the last award of the night, which has never been done, and again, it should never have been done. But what the Oscars had banked on is it was going to be a great tribute to Chadwick Boseman, thinking that because he had died, they could have this great big tribute to him and they could end the show on this great big personal note without thinking possibly, hey, he might not win. <laughs> and he didn't. He also lost oh. to, he lost to an amazing performance by he Sir did. Anthony Hopkins. Who wasn't there? Who wasn't even there. So instead of this incredible <laughs> ending that the Oscars got, they got somebody speaking on his behalf. And they're just oh. like, okay, that's the Oscars. Thank you very much. Yeah. A complete oh, fucking man. fail by the that Oscars was awful. last year. And I remember that so vividly because it was what? Like, I think it was you, me, Rachel, and Wes. We were all in like a little, yep. little group chat. And we're all just like, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> We'll have to do that again this year. Yeah, absolutely. That yeah. was fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. Next up, we have Best Actress. We have Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, uh, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart for Spencer. I have seen one of these performances. You've only seen one? Yep. Um, Nicole... Is it Olivia Coleman? No, Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos. Oh, right. Damn, you haven't watched The Lost Daughter yet? No. Nope. Or Spencer? No. Nope. Buddy. <laughs> I don't I don't like Kristen Stewart. Okay, I don't care. She's fabulous <laughs> in this movie. She's so good. That's what I hear. She's so good. That's what I hear. You have to at least watch The Lost Daughter. Come on. It's oh, on I'll, Netflix. <laughs> I'll be wa- I'll be watching all of them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I, I I'll, I'm I was I was already super excited to watch The Eyes of Tammy Faye because Jessica Chastain I think is one of the best actresses working today. Yeah, absolutely. I was I, I was always gonna watch the Lost Daughter, uh, that, that was it was on my. I just wanted to see how many nominations it got. I had no desire to see Parallel Mothers because I do not like Penelope Cruz. I've never heard of Parallel Mothers yeah. <laughs> until this was released. I'm like, oh shit, I have to go find this movie. I just don't. I don't like her, so not a fan. I don't think I I don't think Nicole Kidman deserves to be on here. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> I I did not like that performance, and. Uh, I have no opinion on Kristen Stewart as Spencer. Ugh. I'm really curious for you to watch that movie. I'm really... Because she is phenomenal in it. She is so good. And the movie itself is so weird. And it's great. I loved it. But she's just... She's phenomenal. So yeah, I've seen I've seen three of these. I've seen Spencer, Being the Ricardos, and The Lost Daughter. I watched that immediately. Anyone who knows me knows Olivia Coleman's just like top tier for me i fucking love her i watched that immediately and i think she's really good but i honestly have no idea who's gonna win i want it to be christian stewart i think think that'd be great but the prior to about two weeks ago it was christian stewart yeah runaway but from my understanding it sounds like chastain's getting some serious heat so we'll see I do want to watch The Eyes of Tammy Faye, especially, again, I think and, and, and Andrew Garfield's in it, so I do want to watch that. And I'm pretty sure uh, Rachel's watching it tonight. So. Yeah. Do you know about, like, Tammy Faye, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker? Nope. Okay. <laughs> that I grew up with them, so. 
Uh-huh. I'm very interested in this movie. Okay. Uh, best supporting actor, which is usually my favorite category every year. Won't lie, I'm kind of really underwhelmed. Yeah. Uh, we have, I think, it, is it Siren Hines? I think so. Let's just go with that. Siren sure. Hines for <laughs> Belfast, Troy Kotzer for Coda, Jesse Plemons for Power of the Dog, J.K. Simmons for Being the Ricardos, and Cody Smith McPhee for The Power of the Dog. Uh, I don't think J.K. Simmons should be here. I'm a, no, huge, me neither. Fa- a huge fan of that actor. I didn't find him to be that great in that movie. Or and, memorable. Like, yeah. I totally forgot he was in that movie until he popped up on this list again. I was like, oh, yep, he was there. That happened. Jesse Plemons for The Power of the Dog shouldn't be here either. I hate Jesse Plemons. And that's just such a personal thing. But every time he's in a movie, I, I hate him. Interesting. And everything he's in, I can't. He just bugs me. Interesting. I, I really like him. Yeah. Uh, I love him in Game Night. I haven't seen Game Night. No? No. Should, it's fun. Definitely. Interesting. If you want, if you want something fun, like a, a really good studio comedy, check, yeah, check out Game Night. It's a lot of fun. All right. Yeah, definitely a lot of fun. And he's, well, I like Jesse Plemons, so I think he's good in it. But if you dislike <laughs> him, you might not. It's up to you. I think I've just seen him play such like so many shitty characters. Yep. Fair. <laughs> like Breaking Bad, and like the one of my first introductions to him was an episode of Black Mirror, mm-hmm. where he is just a total piece of shit. So I think I just had a rough introduction to him. Fair. Fair. Uh, I love Siren Hines' nomination yep. here. Uh, but my heart is going to Troy Kotzer for Coda all the oh, way. Oh, me too. All the way. 100%. I'm pretty sure it's a two-horse race from what I hear yeah. between Troy Kotzer and Cody Smith-McPhee. That's fair. Uh, I'll Troy be... Kotzer just, like, broke me in that movie. Yes. Like, so many different times. I'm yes. like, this man... Give him all the awards. Uh, if either one of those two win it, I'll be okay. Yeah. If they give it to Siren Hines, I'll be, I guess, okay. But if Plemons or Simmons wins, I'll be upset. If Simmons wins, I think I'll genuinely be shocked. Yeah. I don't get it. I'll be happy for him because I love him, but th- that's just the wrong pick. He just had so many better roles. I agree. Uh, best Supporting Actress, we have Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter, Ariana DeBose for West Side Story, Judy Dench for Belfast, Kristen Dunst for The Power of the Dog, and Anjanae Ellis for King Richard. Uh, I think the winner is going to be Ariana DeBose. I would love to see Anjanae Ellis win for King Richard. Yeah, that's totally true. I'd be happy with either. I thought Ariana DeBose was great in West Side Story. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, there's honestly no... There's no nominee here. Like, I've seen all five of them. There's no nominee here that I'd necessarily be disappointed in. Mm-hmm. I thought Judy Dench was lovely in Belfast. Uh, I, I think that's, the, Buckley I think was that's good. the weakest one is Judy Dench. I think so, too. But she's still great in that. I'm okay with it. 100%. There was no, there's no being the Ricardo's nomination in this one, so I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only other, well, I guess we could talk about this. Uh, the animated feature film, there's five. Mm. I've seen four of them. Um, Encanto, Flea, Luca shouldn't be on here. Uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines <laughs> and Ryan the Last Dragon. Um, I honestly don't know what's gonna win. I if I had my pick, I would love for the Mitchells and the Mach- versus the Machines to win. It's on my list to watch. So I haven't seen Flea or the Mitchells versus the Machines. Um, I know the Mitchells. Are, it's on Netflix, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's definitely on my list. And apparently Flea is incredibly hard to find, so I'm going to have to go find that somewhere. Well, Flea only – yeah, Flea, I don't know if you noticed looking through here, but Flea got three nominations. Got three? It did. Best Animated Feature Film, Best International Feature Film. Oh. And 
best documentary. What? <laughs> it's a documentary animated film. Wow. Yeah. It's a it's an animated international documentary. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go find that. That's nuts. I had no idea. Yeah. Damn. Um, so yeah, so out of the animated features I've seen for them, I'm just waiting Flea to be available here and then I can watch it. Um, don't get me wrong. I like, I did like, like I enjoyed Luca and off the top of my head, I couldn't think of another animated feature I'd put in there instead of Luca, but out of the four I've watched, it's number four. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm sorry. You said you're just, you just haven't seen the Mitchells versus the machines. Yeah, I've seen Encanto and I've seen Raya and the Last Dragon. I love Raya and the Last Dragon. Uh, I need to rewatch it. I haven't seen it since it came out like a year ago. <laughs> so yeah. I definitely need to rewatch it. But I loved it when it came out. Uh, and the only other uh, category that I want to talk about is one that I always love. Um, and that's best cinematography. I just all I really wanted was for the tragedy of Macbeth to get the cinematography yeah. nomination. And to see it made me so happy. Obviously, West Side Story by Janusz Kaminski got a nom. Uh, I have honestly no idea who's going to win this. Me neither. As much as, you know, I spewed my love for Dune out for everyone to hear here, um, I would love for it to win. But I genuinely, I would be happy with at least the four that I've seen. I'd be happy with them. We'll see how Nightmare Alley goes. Yeah, but... we'll see. I, out, of, out of the four I've seen, and for those wondering, we have Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. I don't want the power of the dog to win. <laughs> While it's beautifully shot, what I see on screen in Dune, the tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story blows the power of the dog out of the water. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and yeah, so that, that's about it. I uh, the other side, uh, one of the, oh, hold on, let's see. There's where is it? Because they uh, okay, good. I am sad to see that Best Visual Effects uh, Free Guy did get a nomination. That makes me sad. <laughs> it makes you sad. It makes me sad. I think the vis- the visual effects were fine. Yeah, they were. They weren't. They weren't great. They're they're <laughs> the other ones in there. Like if, if Dune doesn't win this, this yeah, will I'll be, be a travesty. This will be a travesty. <laughs> a travesty. Uh, the only other picture. And this is a complete Homer pick. I really would have enjoyed to see Spider-Man No Way Home get a Best Picture nomination. I think I would, too. I've seen a lot of debates on this online, actually. There's a lot of people who are upset that it didn't, and a lot of people who are like, guys, it's not actually that good. And I think people who don't think it's that good, I think they're crazy, because I think No Way Home was phenomenal. And I think it would have been fun, and I would have put it over like Nightmare Alley or Don't Look Up. I would have put it over Don't Look Up in a heartbeat. Easy. 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 I have never felt the things I felt after watching Spider-Man. <laughs> I, have... I haven't been that. I don't think I've ever been that giddy in a movie theater before. Not even for Endgame. Not what? even when Sam was hitting me when Cap was about to pick up Thor's hammer. Nothing. Oh, I definitely was. Endgame. Endgame. Eas- I watched. Well, no, it easily trumps what I felt for, <laughs> for Spider-Man. Uh, and actually, I probably the last time I was actually probably this giddy was another Spider-Man fo- movie, but that was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh yeah, yeah, that that's got fair. Me, that got me pretty excited. All right, so those are the. Was there any categories you want to touch on before we uh, move on from from the uh, nominations? Not really, nothing crazy. I was intrigued by the original song they chose from Encanto because there's yeah. there's so many to choose from, and there's so many that are so much more popular, and that like. 
there's like like don't talk about Bruno it just owns right? space in my brain yes. and it's never going to go away. <laughs> yeah. And even the the one that Louisa sings that's also up here constantly. Mm-hmm. So I like that they went with uh I'm going to butcher this but uh dos orgitas. Or, we'll, we'll go with that. Something like that. Yeah. Um because it's a, it's a beautiful song. It's a lovely little ballad. I was just a little shocked that that was the song they chose. I have no idea what's going to win this. I actually think it'd be kind of cool to see Billie Eilish do it, but I, I, I want Lynn Manuel Miranda to get a EGOT. So I I think it's no time to die. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. That's a, it's a good song. It is okay. Yeah, I think that's all I got. Wait. The only thing I wanted to mention was I find it always interesting when you have your best international feature category, and then one of them pops into your best picture list, mm-hmm. and you're like. Is there a chance they don't win Best International Feature? Right? But it's interesting if they have Flea and that on there. That's kind of funky. I know, right? And in documentary. So does that mean? And in documentary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm gonna have to. Lo- I'm gonna have to watch some of the documentaries. I tried last year. I think I only got to like one or two of them. I don't think I even tried. Maybe I'll. Maybe I'll give it a try. All right. So those yeah. are the Oscar nominations for us nerds out there. That love that kind of shit. Let's get into what we've been watching. Jordan, what films have you been checking out that you would like to touch on? So I've watched a few here. Um, I watched one that just came out, I want to say on Crave this week, and it's Mm -hmm. called The Fallout. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a 2021 release, and it's about a high school that's kind of reeling after the effects of a school shooting. Oh, yeah. And I thought this movie was absolutely spectacular. Uh, if you have a chance, I really think you should go check it out. Um, it's just very, it's very, you know, heart wrenching. Um, it's a little hard to watch at times, um, but it's also about just a bunch of teenagers going through their lives as both teenagers and trying to deal with the trauma of seeing a bunch of their sh- their schoolmates get shot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very harrowing. It was very dark, um, but also just with like some small moments of levity thrown in there. Uh, it's very, it's a really, really good movie. I definitely think uh, if you have Crave, if you have the time, uh, you should definitely, definitely check out the new release. It's, uh, it's really good. Awesome. Have you heard of this one? I've heard of it. Yep. What did you yeah. give it? I believe I gave it a four. Nice. Yeah, I'm trying to be a little less. I feel like I give out fives a lot, so I'm trying to like. You a bit of a five whore, are you? A little bit, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I'll be like, that movie was great. It's a five, and then after I'll watch it like a year later, I'm like, no, that wasn't a five. That was definitely not a five. So I think that was a four. I think it could go up if I if I watched enough. It just it does not have great watchability because it's so hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, that I don't see myself like I'm gonna go watch Fallout anytime soon. But it's certainly one I would revisit in like five to ten years. Fair enough. <laughs> After I've kind of forgot about it a little bit. Fair enough. Uh, and then the next few movies I watched were all kind of inspired by the uh, Manny, the Manny movie group or Manny movie club uh, pick last week which i think chards picked right yes was a uh, begin again which was a spectacular film absolutely adored it oh my god it's so good oh it was so good um i couldn't believe i hadn't seen it it's been on my list for ages and i just never i never picked it up so when he forced me to watch it, i'm like thank you this is what i needed um but so it kind of inspired the next three movies i watched uh one of them was sing street <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, Sam's also been trying to get me to watch this for a while, actually. He told me about it a while ago, and he's like, I think you'd really like it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'll watch it eventually. We'll get there. We'll get there. But uh, it took this begin again for me to finally go and watch it, because it's done by the same John Carney. director, I do believe, right? Yeah, yeah. John Carney. John Carney. 
Um, so this one was a lot of fun. Again, it's kind of about just kind of this young kid who just wants to win the heart of this girl by being in a band. And he gets this kind of ragtag group of kids and starts writing music with them. And it's just, it was a lot of fun. I didn't like it as much. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely think out of the, out of the three John Carney movies I've seen, I think it might be my like number three, Mm -hmm. but, um, I still definitely enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought the music was great. It was definitely, the music was a lot of fun. I think it definitely elevated it a little bit for me. Um, yeah, just very, very enjoyable. A good time. Um, I think I gave it a I personally give myself half stars. Yeah, that's okay. So I did three and a half for this, but I think if I had to choose between a three and a half and a four, I'd probably choose a three. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did enjoy it just a little bit. So I was able to, I gave myself that extra half star allowance on that one. Nice. Yeah, I saw this a couple years ago. I rewatched it actually after I saw that you watched it. I'm like, oh, fuck, I want to watch Sing Street again. <laughs> um, Sing Street really hits really close to home for me. Um, his, his, crush on that girl i've been there numerous times (laughs) which isn't the main part that i connect with what i connect with is his passion to do something now his reason for doing it is to impress a girl and then he ends up falling in love with that art form and becomes really good with it it's that it's following his heart following his dream to create something and how he gets these people together to follow his dream which then becomes kind of their dream and how they all come together to try and do something that they're passionate about, it hits really close to home for me. And so when I watched this the first time, I was just overjoyed. Plus, <laughs> I'm a child of the 80s. So yeah. <laughs> seeing them recreate the 80s, all the songs they made are so perfectly 80s. The videos they make <laughs> are so perfectly 80s. It just completely fucking pushed the nostalgia button for me and just elevated it to another level for me. I gave Sing Street uh, a four out of five. It was an easy four out of five for me. Yeah. I think Sam's the same way when he watched it. I think he definitely relates to this movie a lot as well. Not so much the growing up in the 80s part because, you know, he wasn't alive yet. But, you know, I think he's I think he was along this very similar thought process as you. And Mm -hmm. one thing I love about watching this and Begin Again and the other one I'm going to talk about is you can really see that John Carney loves music oh my god yes he loves music and he loves the the relationships that form because of music and the impact that it has on people's lives and it's so much fun to watch that come out on screen and that he's able to do it in a way that genuinely makes really good movies as well like it's not just obviously has a passion for it he also has a passion for making good movies and for being able to combine those into just something beautiful for him to share yeah um so yeah, I guess I'll talk about the I guess the other John Carney movie I watched, which was Once. Haven't which seen it. Came out. Goodness, when did it come out? Uh, I'd heard I'd heard about the movie. It came out in two two thousand seven. Um, the only reason why I ever heard about this movie is because of the song "Falling Slowly." Such a great song. Such a beautiful song, and I've had this song on playlist since I was probably like thirteen. <laughs> Uh, I absolutely love the song. It's beautiful. And there's a couple others that I've known for a while as well. And every time I see, I'm like, what song is this again? I look at it, I see the cover art, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's that movie. I should go watch that movie. And then I never do. I've never turned it on. Same. Um, But after watching Begin Again and Sing Street, I'm like, fuck it. I got to check this out. It was like, it was less, it's less than 90 minutes. It's super short. Um, But I think I had to rent it on, like, YouTube (laughs) because I couldn't find it anywhere else. Yep. Um, 
And I honestly really loved it. It was so nice. It's just these two, these like they, the the actors are two unknowns. Um, I'd never heard of them before, uh, and it's kind of filmed almost like a. It feels like it's filmed almost like a documentary or something where it's you know the the quality isn't super high, uh, the shots aren't like anything spectacular, um, but it makes you feel really close to the characters involved in the movie. Mm-hmm. Which I really love. Like you're just you're just following these two people uh, as they as they meet each other and as they grow together through their love of music and the triumphs that they've kind of had to come over as people. Um, and it's just a really beautiful. It's again, it's just another beautiful movie about music and what it and how it can bring people together, and how it lets you tell stories that you can't tell through just regular dialogue. So I definitely really enjoyed Once as well. Um, I didn't like it quite as much as Begin Again, but it's definitely, of the three of his that I watched, it's probably right smack in the middle at number two. Okay. Uh, and I gave it a four. Nice. So I think if you have the time, I definitely think it's worth it. It was a lot of, it was just, it was very pretty. It was very sweet. Um, just a nice, easy watch. Again, under 90 minutes. So you can throw it on when you're just kind of in the mood for something sweet and easy. Uh, and then the last movie I really wanted to talk about was just another fun movie about music, and that was Inside Lewin Davis. Mm-hmm. One of Sam's favorites, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he forced he he forced me. He we <laughs> definitely watched we definitely watched it together. Um, probably during COVID when our store was shut down and we had nothing to do for 45 days. Um, I absolutely love this movie. Put Oscar Isaac with a guitar, a cat as a folk singer. Oh my god. <laughs> that is a fucking ride for me. Oh, it's beautiful. I don't need anything else. I'm trying to get my trying to get my friend to watch it and she won't because she's worried she's going to die after. <laughs> she's worried it might actually kill her. Fair. Fucking adore Oscar Isaac. He is so hot in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just god, he's perfect. He's like disheveled. He's always got a cat with him. He's got a guitar. His his singing voice is spectacular. Do so you like homeless losers? That's a hot stop for you, hey? Yeah, yeah, it sure is. If <laughs> if you're a homeless loser who happens to look like Oscar Isaac, I think that's great. <laughs> but no, it's just, it's also, it's a fun movie. Every time I watch it, I forget that Justin Timberlake and Adam Driver are in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very, it's, it's a nice movie because it's one of those that doesn't really have a plot. It just kind of follows this man's life for like two days and... And then the movie ends, and he goes on with his life, and you go on with yours. Uh, it's a Coen Brothers movie, which I love. Yep. Uh, it's probably one of my favorites, I think. I'm kind of hit or miss with Coen Brother movies, um, but this is definitely a hit for me. I adore this movie, and I love, I love me some folk music. So that's kind of where I've been for the last week, is just watching movies about folky singer-songwriter music and just vibing to it. It's been great. Nice. Um, but I think, yeah, Inside the Wind Davis brilliant i gave that one a four as well nice fucking love that movie yeah i finally watched this probably last year maybe two years ago because uh, sam has been begging me to watch yeah it. <laughs> and uh, i did this for me is middle of the road coen brothers for me uh i enjoyed it it's it's beautifully shot oscar isaac is as always let me 95 mm, percent of the time he's amazing <laughs> 
Have uh, you seen that movie that uh, came out this year about him as like a poker player? No. Don't. Don't I'm, do it. Oh, I have no, I have no <laughs> desire. I already got... You can skip it. <laughs> I already... Oh, God. Uh, why can't I think of the filmmaker's name? Fuck, he wrote Taxi Driver. God damn it. Paul uh, Schrader. Paul Schrader. Yeah. Um, I already got burned by Paul Schrader with his last <laughs> movie, First Reformed, uh, which was a movie that was pretty good, but I'm like, mm, I don't need to watch that again. Uh, but inside Lewin Davis, uh, Oscar Isaac is, like I said, 95% of the time, uh, absolutely spectacular. Uh, I will be shortly getting into a movie that he was not good in. Um, oh. Yeah. Not his fault. Okay. Trust me, not his fault. <laughs> but he is, he's not good. Uh, so yeah, I, I enjoyed Inside Lewin Davis. I don't see myself, like, kind of ever rewatching it. I don't. I don't think I'll ever be in the mood to watch Inside Lewin Davis, but uh, I think I, I think I gave it a three. Yeah. Damn. Interesting. Yeah. I bet Sam was disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I almost feel like this might be a five for him. I wonder if he has it rated on Letterboxd. Okay. And that's that's everything you've been watching. Yeah. Wicked. Well, I finally decided to finish off, uh, or almost finish off, no, I finished off, finished off a film series. I really wasn't that excited that I had started, but once I started, <laughs> I decided to get rid of it, and that is oh, the X-Men series. <laughs> so the first one I watched was X-Men uh, Days of Future Past uh, from 2014. Uh, the X-Men send Wolverine to the past in a desperate effort to change history and prevent an event that results in doom for both humans and mutants. Okay. <clears throat> Your love and affection for Harry Potter. Yes. The equivalent for me is the X-Men. Okay. <laughs> Comics. Right. Yeah. The X-Men movies hurt my heart and soul every time I watch them. <laughs> because while they get a few of the characters correct, the vast majority are done so wrong and done so dirty watching them causes me literal pain <laughs> case in point <laughs> let me start with the good hugh jackman as wolverine is perfect he oh, absolutely perfectly plays that character it's like watching the comic come to life the only nitpick anybody could have with hugh jackman as wolverine is he is way taller than the Wolverine character. <laughs> like, way taller. But that does not bother me. It has never bothered me. I don't give a shit about that. That's minor. So, perfect. James McAvoy and Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart, especially as Charles Xavier. Perfect. Ian McKellen as Magneto is pretty good. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> Michael Fassbender as Magneto is fucking epic. It is spectacular. <laughs> and that's where it stops. <laughs> Everybody else in all of these fucking movies, the X-Men movies, with the exception of Deadpool, they are so fucking bad and so not like the fucking character in the comic, it is fucking infuriating. And the fact that my 
best friend T-Bone loves these movies makes it even <laughs> more fucking upsetting. More fucking upsetting. Didn't he put... Oh, no, it was First Class. First Class is on our, like, top 30 right now, yes! right? Yes! On the fucking decade? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> fucking ridiculous. <sighs> I understand that when they made X-Men First Class, they cast this girl who appeared to be on the rise. That woman's name is Jennifer Lawrence. Little did they know that they had a fucking superstar in their midst. <laughs> so now all of a sudden you have this incredible actress locked in under contract to star in three to four more films, which she obviously does not <laughs> want to do if you watch her on screen. Especially my favorite, my favorite is X-Men Dark Phoenix, which I won't be talking about because I didn't watch it. I watched it once. I will never watch it again. <laughs> if you want to have a good time, in a very bad movie, watch X-Men Dark Phoenix and watch how Jennifer Lawrence is literally phoning in her fucking performance. <laughs> you can see the whole time she's like, yeah, we got bad guys to take care of. How much longer do I have to do this bullshit? Can I just fucking go home now? Can I go in my trailer? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm one take Jenny. That's what I am. I'm out. I'm fucking out. It is so, it is so fucking bad. So bad. Not to mention the fact that her portrayal of Mystique is shockingly nothing like the character nothing like the character mystique is fucking evil evil okay <laughs> these movies make me so fucking mad i'm so glad i'm here for this so fucking mad i'm fucking sweating i'm so angry right now <laughs> that being said x-men days of future past so I have to put aside all of my distaste on how they fucking completely do disservice to the characters. Disservice to the characters. So then I have to just watch this uh, superhero movie <laughs> about these people that look like uh, characters that I love but act nothing like them. Uh, X-Men Days of Future Past uh, attempts to retell... <laughs> actually you know what it didn't even fucking do that uh, <laughs> Days of Future Past is actually a storyline from the comics where it is completely different from the story told in this fucking movie <laughs> that being said this movie is actually for a superhero movie it's it's done really well the action scenes are good The everything about the movie itself is very entertaining X-Men Days of Future Past is a 4 out of 5 for me Damn. If I wasn't I, prepared for that. <laughs> if, if, hold on, I'll get to the good part. If I put aside my hatred of how they do not do the characters right. Right. Oh, I'll give a little a little bit of a little bit of touch to uh Nicholas Holt for, for Beast, who plays okay, uh, Dr. Hank yeah. He's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but that's it. Oh my god. I don't what? even know. I couldn't tell you last time I watched Days of Future Past. Yeah. It's it's a perfectly serviceable and very fun yeah. like superhero movie. Again, if you don't if you if you never read the comics, I could understand why someone would love this movie. I never read the comics, but I used to watch the TV show? The the TV show the, like the cartoon. all the time yeah. as a kid. Cartoon. I love that show so much. The cartoon's <laughs> pretty good. 
Still not quite the characters. Very close. I'd say they get about 80% yeah. right. 80%. So it's good. Which leads us um. into... Oh, yeah. Okay. Which leads us into X-Men Apocalypse yeah. starring Oscar Isaac. As the aforementioned Apocalypse. <clears throat> this should come as no surprise to anybody that Oscar Isaac's portrayal of Apocalypse is... Nothing like the comics! <laughs> Holy shit, what a surprise. This it's also really boring, if I recall. Yeah, this movie is brutally bad. There is incredibly... Uh, there is some incredible acting from Michael Fassbender in this movie. Some pretty good uh, performance from Charles Xavier. And then they introduce... Um, one of the greatest X-Men characters of all time, Storm. And let me guess. Nothing like the comics! <laughs> Complete betrayal to the character. Complete fucking betrayal to the character. Yeah. We also get Psylocke. Nothing like the comics! In fact, she has literally nothing to do except to wear a skimpy outfit and look hot. Thank you, yep. Al thank you Olivia Munn. I'm literally salivating. <laughs> They also introduce a original X-Men character, one of the original X-Men, uh, Angel. Nothing like the character! And they also introduce Scott Summers, again, uh, who plays Cyclops, who is a staple of the X-Men. Again, one of the original X-Men. And sorry, he's nothing like the character. They also recast Jean Grey with what's her pickle from Game of Thrones, the hot redhead. Uh, what's her oh, name? Oh, Sophie Turner. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. she's actually blonde in real life. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, not doesn't do a good Jean Grey either. <laughs> this movie is bad. Uh, it was hard to watch. I knew it was going to be hard to watch. It hurt my heart. It's got a couple good action set pieces. Really, the only reason to watch this movie is to watch Michael Fassbender blow everyone off the screen. <laughs> X-Men Apocalypse is a two out of five. Damn. It's fucking bad. Uh, Interesting. Which... I've been wanting to do a little X-Men rewatch. Because, like, the first movie came out. What year did the It was, like, 2000? early 2000s, right? 2000? So I was, like, four. So I was a kid when X-Men, the movie, came out. And I loved the first one. Uh, I thought it was so much fun. I loved the second one again. I was like four, six, eight when they came out. Um, and then I have a very vivid memory of going to go. My mom and my stepdad pulled me out of school to go and see the third X-Men movie. <laughs> <laughs> they like took me out of class the afternoon. I have such a distinct memory of that day. And again, as a kid, I'm like, that movie's great. And I can tell you right now, I've never rewatched that specific one as an adult. So I want to go back and do all of them. And I've also never seen Dark Phoenix because I disliked Apocalypse so much. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. So I haven't. But I think I want to just to complete them. Okay. <clears throat> so I think I might, you, you might be inspiring me. I might get there. Okay. I'm going to use this opportunity to go on a fucking comic book <laughs> rant. Great. So X-Men 3 is it's trying to it's trying to tell the Dark Phoenix saga. X-Men Dark Phoenix tries to tell the Dark Phoenix saga again. To give you an idea on how epic in scope the Dark Phoenix saga is, remember how 
Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows they split into two movies. Yeah. Now I have I, I didn't re- I haven't read the books. Yeah. So I'll leave it to you. T- tr- try your best because it'll be hard. Try your best to take out your fandom of the mo- of your of your love of the books and the movies. Do you honestly think that Deathly Hollows could be could have been told in one film, like a like a, maybe a three hour movie, or did it need to be split into two? I don't necessarily think it, because like I will say of the, if you're gonna go by book size, mm-hmm. it's I think the third biggest book. Okay. The biggest book is I think four or five, so I don't necessarily think it needed to, but I think it helped the story that it was because they do tell, they do they do they are it, I think it works great as a okay. two part because they tell two sort of different stories. Okay, perfect. That's that's all I needed. So it may be like. Maybe like a, a three three twenty movie, it could have worked at, but yeah, doing... I probably I would have. I yeah, I think that could have happened. Okay, so but doing it at two allowed them to kind of really cover everything that needed to be covered. Yes. Right. Okay. The Dark Phoenix Saga requires <laughs> minimum three movies to tell. Minimum. <laughs> minimum. Minimum. So they three. did the opposite of what Peter Jackson did with The Hobbit. Yes. <laughs> In fact. <laughs> They tell so little of the actual Dark Phoenix saga. There's next to nothing from the actual Dark Phoenix story in the Dark Phoenix movies. Jesus. <laughs> except, for the, except for the fact that the Dark Phoenix shows up. That's it. It's so fucking bad. So imagine you went into Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows, and maybe 10% of the book is in there, and the rest is all this made-up bullshit. How would you okay. feel? Hang on. Okay, I do have this. Okay. Because, so, Harry Potter 1 through 8 movies exist, right? Okay. And then there's the Fantastic Beasts, whatever the fuck they're doing with that, right? Okay. The first one I actually really enjoyed. I thought it was fun. It was light. It was like, this is great. This is a great one-off movie. And they're making it into, like, fucking, I don't know, five, something like that. Okay. If you want me to get as angry as you are, have me talk about Harry Potter, the Fantastic Beasts and the Crimes of Grindelwald movie. There's no movie I've been more upset with in that movie because it, like, completely retcons all of the canon that J.K. Rowling has set up. And she wrote this fucking movie. It fucks with the timeline. It changes the magic system entirely. Mm-hmm. Albus Dumbledore goes from being, like, 20 to 100 in, like, 30 years. Oh, if you if you want me to get as angry as you are right now... Review Harry Potter and the Crimes of Grindelwald, and I will bring out my annotated ver- copy of the script and tell you where how upset I am that that movie exists and how badly they fucked with the universe. Perfect. So I get it. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. So, yeah, X-Men movies. They suck balls. <laughs> they suck balls. <laughs> All right. So after watching those tremendously bad films, I needed something that was going to brighten my spirits. So I decided to harken back to 2001 a movie that has no historical accuracy whatsoever, but makes me feel so good inside. And that is the Heath Ledger film, A Knight's Tale. Aww. <laughs> After his master dies, a peasant squire, fueled by his desire for food and glory, creates a new identity for himself as a knight. This movie knows exactly what it is and exactly what it's doing. It tells you in the first five minutes what this movie is because they have old-timey medieval people 
singing We Will Rock You by Queen. <laughs> so they're telling you, this is not a historical drama. We are going to have fun with this story. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy. And that is exactly what I do. Heath Ledger, in my opinion, was on his way to being the best actor of his generation before his untimely yeah. death. Absolutely. But he's not even the he's not even the third best part of this movie. This movie is completely won over by Paul Bettany. <laughs> he is spectacular in his role. Next up is the always delightful Alan Tudyk as yeah. what? <laughs> and the other person I really enjoy, I really enjoy Rufus Sewell as Count Audemar as the villain. This movie is so much fun. If you want something fun, it's definitely longer than it needs to be. Uh, the romance aspect, which unfortunately is a major plot, doesn't quite work. But the action scenes are fun. You learn about jousting. You get to see Paul Bettany rule every time he's on screen. I have nothing but a fucking blast when I watch this movie. A Knight's Tale slam dunk 4 to 5 for me. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen, I've, I've definitely seen at least most of this movie because mm -hmm. it was on TV a lot when I was a kid. Yep. I don't think it's, I think, I don't know if I've ever sat through it beginning to end. It's just, it's so light <laughs> and so fun. It does not need to be two yeah. hours and 12 minutes. That's way <laughs> too long. But you don't notice the runtime because the movie is so kinetic yeah. and so, like, all they're doing is having fun. At no point are you supposed to take this movie seriously, but it is not it's not a fucking, like, laugh-out-loud comedy, even though there's really funny parts. It's not trying to make fun of itself. It's not a satire. It's not spoofing old-timey old films. It's just saying, imagine knights in today's time. There would be people that have their favorite knights. There would be people cheering in the crowd. They'd be singing songs. We will rock you. They would have sponsors. It was absolutely a fucking delight to watch this movie. And like I said... Paul Bettany and Alan Tudyk are the reason to watch this movie. <laughs> I fucking love Alan Tudyk. He's so funny. He's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Oh, he's yeah. brilliant. Uh, so, yeah, there's not really much to talk about in A Knight's Tale. <laughs> it's so much fun. I love that movie. Um, now let's get back into a movie that I want to shit on because I fucking love to shit on parts of this movie. It is the 2009 romantic comedy, He's Just Not That Into You. Have you seen this? Oh. Have you seen uh, this? I have. I think I probably <coughs> watched it like, I think I probably watched it when it came out when there was all of those types of movies that were mm -hmm. like weirdly interconnected, like Valentine's Day and stuff. Yep. Um, I don't think I like this movie. This movie's bad. <laughs> I don't remember enjoying it. This movie's bad, bad, bad. Yeah. So, 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 so bad. The main <laughs> reason, <clears throat> so this is based off a book. Right. Of the same name. Now, the main problem, it has a bunch of interconnected stories. Um, one of the stories uh, is between Ben Affleck and Jennifer Aniston. That's one of the good stories. They have, yeah. good, they have good chemistry. Their story is sweet. I'm a Ben Affleck fan, so I'm obviously a little biased. They're good. Um, Bradley Cooper plays a fucking asshole, as he always oh, does. Oh, yeah. Who is cheating on his super hot wife uh, mm -hmm. with a super hot girl named Scarlett Johansson. <clears throat> it's fine. Whatever. The problem is is the main character is played by Jennifer Goodwin, who is one of the most unlikable characters I've seen in a movie screen in a long time. She is so fucking annoying. 
and so fucking stupid and so dumb and so completely self-destructive, I want to reach to the screen and, while I shouldn't be saying this, I want to slap the shit out of her. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I want to knock some fucking sense into her so fucking bad. I'm like, fucking bitch, wake up. You are so fucking dumb. You are so incredibly self-destructive. I'm so glad that you're getting your heart broken because you deserve it. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. <clears throat> you're not pulling any punches tonight. <laughs> Fuck no. There's a minor subplot uh, with Drew Barrymore that uh, is so completely unnecessary and unneeded. It's stupid and dumb. And sadly, uh, an actor that I enjoy... Uh, whose name I can't find right now. I obviously don't enjoy him that much. <clears throat> I'm going to have to fucking look up. I can see his face and everything. It's just going to bug me. He's uh, Justin Long. Mm. Uh, Justin Long's character is enjoyable. Uh, the only problem is I don't like where he goes in the movie. I don't like that he... Obviously, I don't like that he falls for Jennifer Goodwin's character. There's no reason for him to fall for her. She's stupid and annoying <laughs> and dumb, and he just all of a sudden, it's stupid and dumb. <sighs> so, fuck that movie. It gets a two out of five. Damn. It, it avoids the one because I like Ben Affleck so much, and they ha his storyline with, like I said, with Jennifer Aniston is actually kind of really sweet. And really touching and there's some really kind of there's some really great i'm gonna just tell them, i'm hot there's some really hot flirtation scenes between <laughs> bradley cooper and scarlett johansson i love flirting like flirting scenes are so <laughs> hot to me i fucking love them they have some couple really good hot flirting scenes so it gets a two out of five for me but fuck that movie fair enough <laughs> <clears throat> last movie i want to talk about before we dive in is a movie <clears throat> I'd heard for years was considered a masterpiece. One of the movies that is considered the Coen brothers' best movie, and that's Miller's Crossing from 1990. Oh. I'd heard how great it was. I'd been waiting to watch it. I'd kind of been putting it off, but another podcast I listened to <clears throat> um, called Forgotten Cinema, I've kind of become... I have, some, I have some nice dialogue with uh, with both of the podcast hosts. I, oh, cool. We instant message each other once in a while. And he had put on that he was watching this movie, and so I messaged him like, oh, I'm like, this is one of my cinematic holes. I'm like, I haven't watched this yet. His reply to me immediately was, run, don't walk <laughs> to go see this movie. Uh, so I watched it the very next day, and this movie is unfucking believable This is the Irish godfather oh it's about irish gangsters it is unbelievable it stars gabriel byrne albert finney john Turturro, um tom reagan an advisor to a, bro a prohibition era crime boss tries to keep the peace between warring mobs but gets caught in divided loyalties this is all about gabriel byrne trying to navigate through a uh, a, a gang war while trying to also see if he can get the woman he loves but stay loyal to the people around him it is unbelievable how good this movie was i was riveted from start to finish 
it has a little bit of the Coen's... A little bit of the Coen's, like, quirky humor, but not too much. Because this movie is a very serious drama. It is unbelievably and beautifully shot. My only complaint to the movie is that they have this... Um, I don't I, I don't know instruments that well. But when you think of Irish music, it, is it like a flute or... Um, oh, you, sure. Right, you know what I'm talking about when I think about yeah. Irish music. They have this as the score, and they use it at times, so the score is making the mood light when the mood should be dark. And so that's where I think some of the Cohen's humor was kind of misused. It doesn't happen often, but I could think about three times when they were using this Irish music score to under to underplay a scene that needed to be have a more serious tone to it, but those are my only complaints. Mm-hmm. Everyone in this movie is giving a really good performance. I don't think anybody's at Academy Award level uh, acting, but they're right below where you just believe everybody in their role, and nobody is nobody's bad, so it doesn't pull you out of the movie. I found this movie riveting. I can't wait to watch it again. This was an easy five out of five for me. Damn. Yeah absolutely fucking loved it interesting i'll have to give it a go yep and that's what we've been watching so it's time to get into the reason we're having this episode in the first place and that is the fifth movie of our 1993 miniseries sleepless in seattle Released June 25th, 1993, directed by Nora Ephron, written by David Ward and Nora Ephron, based off a Jeff Art story. Now, that doesn't mean it's based off of a book, just the original screenplay was written by Jeff Arch, but David Ward and Nora Ephron rewrote it so much, it's kind of, it's got Uh the, it's based off the bare bones of Jeff Arch's idea. Uh, starring Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, uh, Ross Mellinger, and Rosie O'Donnell. Has a Metascore of 72. It went 0 for 2 at the Oscars. It got a nomination for Best Original Screenplay and Best Original Song for Wink and a Smile. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a budget of $21 million. It grossed 126 in the U.S. and 227 worldwide. So adjusted, that's $437 million. Damn. The plot. A recently widowed man's son calls a radio talk show in an attempt to find his father a partner. Jordan. Give me your spoiler-free thoughts on Sleepless in Seattle. And you said you recently watched this for the very first time. Yeah, I watched it back, uh, I think, roughly middle of January. I was looking through, trying to see if there were any 1993 movies I was in the mood for. And uh, I was like, oh, shit, I've never seen Sleepless in Seattle. I love Tom Hanks. I love Meg Ryan. Let's go. And... uh, I was a little underwhelmed. You know, there are there are two movies in the 90s starring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. And uh, this is easily, easily the lesser of the two. Uh, I don't totally know exactly what it is. Um, I have some thoughts, but I don't know. It just doesn't quite, uh, it doesn't hit the mark. You know, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, they're still very, they're very charming as they always are in their movies. Um, I'm never upset when I watch a Tom Hanks movie. I'm never disappointed that, you know, I never think he's been, he's bad in it. Uh, he always elevates any movie he's in to at least an enjoyable level to watch. Um, but it just doesn't, 
it didn't hit me in any way, shape, or form. I didn't feel like I connected to it very much. Um, and that's not to say I didn't enjoy it. Um, I think this movie, if what it really has going for it is that it's really well written. Uh, I think Nora Ephron wrote an absolutely incredible film uh, with some amazing lines. And I also think the kid is fucking hilarious. I love the kid in this movie. He has some fabulous moments that we'll get into later. Um, and, you know, when you're pitting, you know, when I watch this, all I could do was think back to You've Got Mail. And You've Got Mail is one of my, it might be my favorite rom-com of all time. I watch that movie yearly. It just brings me the warm and fuzzies. It's about fucking bookstore owners. Like, that is that is my that's my deal. I love that movie so much. So when I compare them, when, and you can't not compare the two. So when I compare Sleepless in Seattle to You've Got Mail, there's it doesn't happen. There's no comparison at all. And why are you comparing them? Oh, I don't know. They just have the same leads. Both written by Nora Ephron. 90s rom-coms. You know. All, it's, it's, all, all the same. Do you compare <laughs> other rom-coms to You've Got Mail as well then? Just out of curiosity, or is it sometimes? Just... Yeah. Okay. Like I, there are definitely like, you've got mail is my top tier. This is my favorite rom com movie, mm-hmm. and so I'll watch a rom com movie, and at the end, I'm like, how did that make me feel? And more often than not, I'm like, it's good. But if I'm gonna watch a rom com, I'm still gonna watch You've Got Mail. That's kind of my like bar for a rom com, mm-hmm. and you know, it depends. Like, there's always different types for you know whatever you're in the mood for. But I find that, you know, especially given like. I find not 90s rom-coms are usually like very hit and miss for me. Like I also just watched um oh, it's that one where Sandra Bullock and like this guy gets hit by a, or doesn't get hit by a train while you were sleeping. Yes, thank you. I watched that, didn't care for it. Was very very meh on it. It was not I was not a fan. That was another one where I'm like I don't think I need to ever watch this one again. Mm-hmm. They just don't hit the mark. Um but this one's still really well written. I just think that it's it's just not there. It's not as fun. I don't think it's as cute. Uh, and I think Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan have so much chemistry, and they have so much more chemistry in You've Got Mail. That's a... Really? Well, it... it well, two, I mean... They have two minutes of screen time together. Yeah, in this I know. Movie. <laughs> yeah. And I think... I must be like, that's like... That's part of why I dislike this movie. That's fair. I think that's part of why this movie does not hit... It does not hit the nail on the head for me. And I think part of it is because you have these two people who I've previously seen in what is their second movie. That's my introduction to them. Third movie? Third. What else were they in? Joe versus the Volcano. I can't even tell you that I've heard of that movie before. Yep. 1990. Joe versus the Volcano. 1990. Man. It was just the Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan train in the 90s, eh? Yep. (laughs) They were just everywhere. Yep. So I guess they're third. So that was my introduction to them. So I guess at that point, they've had lots of time to solidify their relationship. And clearly, they're super comfortable with each other at that point. So seeing them in a movie where they don't even interact till the end of the movie, it's tough. I get it. It's a little tough. I can, underst- I can 100% understand why you'd feel that way since you've seen You've Got Mail first. Obviously, for me, wasn't the case. Yeah. <clears throat> Sleepers in Seattle for me is uh, a movie I absolutely adore. And really? I was, oh, fuck yeah. I love, because this movie is <laughs> unlike every other romantic comedy. You're, you're totally right. You're, you're totally you're, right. It's, so it's nice. I like movies that try something different. And you have your two romantic leads. They do not meet until the last two minutes of the movie. 
save two scenes and they're fleeting. Yeah, briefly. So this movie is all about can you build your interest to have these two characters fall in love and you believe it and yet they have no screen time together. And because of the directing and because of the performances and because of the writing, you have no problem believing it whatsoever as long as in every movie you have a <laughs> suspension of disbelief and are willing to go with it. Because if the genders were reversed, this movie is This movie would be terrible. Horrible. Yeah, Horrible. absolutely. And I was thinking Horrible. that the second the second this movie ended, I'm like, you can't make this movie today. <laughs> and you super can't make this with a with a gender swab. Nope. No way. Not a chance. Not a chance. It's creepy. Uh I saw this movie I did not see this movie in theaters in uh ninety three. I definitely would have caught it on home video. The and I've loved it from day one. I've loved everything about it. You're right. Uh, the kid, I think his name's Ross Mellinger, or Ross Mellinger, whatever, however you want to pronounce it. Who cares? He's not even acting anymore. Uh, <laughs> it's one of the great It's one of the great kid performances because he's not super cute. He's not like the kid from Jerry Maguire. And he's not super deep into the acting a la Haley Joel Osment in The Sixth Sense. He is a perfect child. And he's not – he's just doing that – perfect acting as a kid you believe he's a kid but you also don't see him as a kid who's acting he's just playing everything perfect oh i've always loved that um tom hanks and meg ryan really have to do a lot more with their roles because you have to believe that they well you don't have to believe that sam's falling in love because he doesn't even know he's being stalked um <laughs> But you have to you have to believe that Meg Ryan is falling in love with this man she hasn't met without it coming across as a total psychopath, and I think she does that perfectly. At at no point, I a hundred percent I can tell you this back in the nineties. At no point did I ever think anything she was doing was weird. Not it <laughs> never even occurred to me that what she's doing is weird. Nowadays I'm like that's a little creepy, stalky. Yeah. But back back then, stalking was totally okay. Nobody had a problem with stalking. Oh, the nineties. Yeah. The eighties and nineties. The eighties, it was still not that I'm saying it's okay now, but this is how it was. In the eighties, it was considered sexy for a man to physically abuse the woman. He could push her around, throw her around. That was hot as fuck on screen. Oh my god. Fucking 80s. 90s, you could do some stalking. Do some little creepy shit. Totally cool. Totally cool. Nobody thought a thing about it. Nowadays, obviously, it doesn't age as well. Oh, man. In this movie, though, it's Meg. It's all on the back of Meg Ryan to make you believe what she's doing is out of something good and not something psychotic. And she yeah. plays that tone perfectly with the help of Nora Ephron and the writing and, the, and some of the supporting cast, especially Rosie O'Donnell. Um... I love I'm I'm really going to enjoy the dichotomy of our conversations we go through. Oh, me too. <laughs> because like I flat out love this movie. Flat out love this movie. And I think Jordan if I I why well, I, I shouldn't say I know for a fact. I'm 98% sure your displeasure from the movies because you watch them not chronologically. If you had grown up watching this, well if you'd seen Joe versus the volcano don't bother. If you if you'd see Joe versus the Volcano, they have okay chemistry. It's not that good of a movie. Um, but then you watch this, and then I think you're about 
what is that, 98 for You've Got Mail, roughly? Something like that, yeah, so 97, 98. Yeah, you're, so you're waiting five years to see them on screen again. You're excited. I Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying anything bad about You've Got Mail, as long as you don't want me to pick apart how bad Joe Fox is to her. <laughs> oh, I yeah. Right? It's, again, it's... It, no movie can stand up to that, that no. deep of critique, right? Yeah. If you just let it go, like, yeah. obviously what he does is he's a complete piece of shit, as most guys are in rom-coms, yeah. the things that they do. Exactly. Right? Where That's they, just real life. Where they're lo- well, yeah, 100% true. 100% true. I completely lied to you for most of the movie, but I fell in love with you during yeah. that lie. Okay, I forgive you. Whatever. Uh... But, yes, um... If you'd seen this first and then you've got mail, like if you'd grown up with it and it's the same thing with movies you grow up with are the ones that mean the most to you. Yeah. Oh, and, absolutely. And, uh, and that's why, you know, like a lot of the movies I watch today, I think are really, obviously the, the upper echelon are great, but like the middle of the road movies, I'm yeah. going to kind of forget them. Like a lot of the movies I watched this year that I gave threes, I'll probably don't really care about, but movies in the nineties that I still give threes to, hold a special place in my heart because I grew up with them. And I, oh, absolutely. So, yeah. Well, and I even think, like, I think what's so interesting about, like, you and Sam doing this and, like, me being the same age as Sam is, you know, there is such a general generational yeah. difference where, like, I love, I fucking love the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. I love all three of them. And I know how much you hate Spider-Man 3. Yeah. And it just makes me laugh because I was just, I was a kid when Spider-Man 3 came out. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, this is fucking great. And I mean, and it's fun to watch now because I can rewatch and be like, I loved this movie as a kid and it's terrible, but I'm having a great time right yes. now watching this movie. Yeah. And I know how much you despise it. That's probably one of my favorite episodes to listen to is <laughs> Spider-Man 3 because you just get so angry. <laughs> I was in a bad mood that day too. That movie got the full wrath of Manny. So I think it's so interesting, like when we, as we're going to talk more about this movie as well. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, I watched it for the first time in 2022 as a 25 year old yep. uh, with like, you know, 2022 vision and how things are now. So I don't I don't know if I would like this more than you've got mail if I watch it for the first time. I'd probably like it like like it more in general, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you've got mail is special to me just because it's got the backdrop of like an indie bookstore owner. Mm-hmm who's trying to keep her business alive and she's fighting with this grumpy corporate bookstore people. And I think I love that aspect of it too. Totally. But I definitely could see if I'd watched this first, I could probably see myself enjoying it a bit more, but I also feel like I would have need to have watched it not as an adult first because I just see how creepy her behavior is. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't creepy. I can yeah. That. In, the, in the nineties, not creepy. Yeah. Not one person was like, that's fucking creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I guarantee you, not one. Oh, man. And anybody that says that they thought back then was creepy, they're fucking lying. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, let's get into spoilers. Let's break down this movie. George, why don't you take us into spoilers? All righty. So if you haven't seen this movie, it came out in 1993, so I don't know what you're still waiting for. Um, but we are about to spoil this movie in three, two, one. Go fuck yourselves. All right. Annie- Start us off. Wicked. So they set up the character of uh, Sam Beckett right away. They're just going to set up that he's a widow. I love the opening shot of him at the cemetery, and then the camera pans up, and you see that it's actually in a city, 
It's just a nice little reveal. It's a great shot. Again, I think Nora Ephron is a fantastic director. I haven't oh, yeah. seen her entire filmography. Um, I haven't seen Mixed Nuts. Uh, I heard it's fucking horrible. And I haven't <laughs> seen her film debut, which is a movie I can't remember what it's called. But again, I haven't heard that that's that great. Um, but this, uh, obviously, You've Got Mail is fantastic. Uh, she wrote my favorite rom-com of all time. She didn't direct it, but she wrote it, and that's When Harry Met Sally. Um, I think she's a fantastic writer, and I really enjoy her directing. Uh, and it's her directing uh, of this film that I think uh, elevates it. I think, honestly, I think in the hands of a man, this movie would have been um, absolute horseshit. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, the... There's going to be some stuff. Some of my notes in here are actually references for Sam and I, so they won't <laughs> they won't mean they won't mean as much to you. Oh, but they might because you like baseball. But there's a lot of base. <laughs> One of the other reasons that I love this movie so much, there's a lot of baseball references. True, and there's there a, and there's it's the other thing you have to understand. It's one of the reasons. One of the many reasons that I like this movie is this movie was new and fresh back then. Again, <clears throat> one of the reasons that Pulp Fiction and Clerks and all that are, were so big and so groundbreaking is they were doing movie references within the movie itself. That was not done. And so this movie, referencing movies, is a huge <laughs> thing for me. And so they keep talking about movies in this movie, which I love. Um, so there's the shot of... Sam and Maggie and Jonah going to a Cubs game. I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, but they just quickly set up. He is a widow. He needs to change his life. They're moving to Seattle. So they set up. He's moving to a new city. He's not going to know anybody. He's just going to focus on his job and raising his son. Boom, we're done. They fly out. I do want to talk. I forgot to mention this <clears throat> in the spoiler free, but it's not that it's not a huge deal. I'm just going to talk about it now. I want to say right now, <clears throat> I actually forgot how good the music is in this movie. Mm. Not the score, the music. Yeah. It is, I own this soundtrack. Do you? Oh, fuck yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I still have it, but I 100% did. Nice. All of the songs on here are fucking bangers. Nora Ephron is great with her use of music. Every piece of music suits the scene so well. Um, we move out to Baltimore where we meet Annie. Annie and Walter are going to Annie's parents for, I guess, a Christmas Eve dinner, I guess. And you're learning all about, or he's trying to memorize everything about Annie's family. <laughs> I've been there. I've been there where you're, you're given the lowdown on the family, on what you can and cannot say, and who's related to who and what way. Um, it's, it's enjoyable. Uh, Walter, at this point, still seems like a pretty good guy. Yeah, I honestly feel for Walter in some of the in some of the moments in this movie. I'm like, oh, buddy. <laughs> it's what it's one of again one of the many things that I enjoy about this movie is that Walter isn't set up. He's not an asshole. There's yeah. not there's nothing wrong with Walter except he has some severe health issues. Yeah, but he doesn't treat Annie badly. He's just kind of a your average kind of boring kind of guy. He's just an average guy who is absolutely in love with this woman. Mm. And she doesn't even realize that she's missing much until after this dinner. Yeah. She's so happy with him, this dinner. Like, she, 
you can see that she's madly in love. She's happy to see that she's engaged. The thing I found weird about this is she says she's engaged, no ring. Yeah. So he asked to marry her without giving her a ring, which he gives her later on. But I was like, that's weird. Like, how do you propose without giving a ring? I feel like especially back then, right? Because I feel like it's something that could be more kind of accepted now. But yeah. back in the 90s, I can't imagine that being a common thing at all. I've never heard of it. Yeah. Never heard of it. Uh, as I was watching this scene this time, uh, I really love how the characters are talking over top of one another, especially the couple that I'm allergic to bees. <laughs> George is allergic to bees. They kept saying it over and over again. And I realized I recognized that lady and it was bugging me. And when I recognize somebody, I'm like, I need to figure this out on my own. I will not go on IMDb. I'm going to figure it out. And I did. And I was so happy. <laughs> that lady is Barney's mom on How I Met Your Mother. Oh, shit. Yeah. I was so fucking happy that I did it on my own. That's hilarious. Ugh. I'm similar to that, but I do eventually get to a point where I'm like, if I don't look this up now, my brain's going to explode. Oh, totally. But damn, that's that's a good call. Yeah. Uh, her name's Frances Conroy. Uh, she is, and uh, Tom Tammy, as Irene and Harold read, uh, highlights of that scene for me as they continue talking about how, <laughs> about how Harold is allergic to bees. Uh, absolutely love it. Oh, yeah. That was hilarious. Um. We move up to the Annie and her mom uh, trying on her grandmother's dress. Mm. It's still here. Annie is so excited to get married to Walter, and her mom is so excited. But this is where the, se the, the, the seeds of doubt are planted because her mom starts talking about how she met her father. And she says, when they're holding hands, I look down and I just knew... And she's like, knew what? She's like, it was like magic. And right there. Yeah. And he's like, I haven't felt that. And she immediately has seeds of doubt planted. She's still happy. And then they have the little dress rip and it's a sign. You don't believe in signs. <laughs> Amusing. That dress is actually kind of nice. Yeah. Not, not what I'd want. I think it's a nice dress. Not a great wedding dress. Yeah. That's totally fair. Awesome. Oh, I definitely, you also kind of feel, you feel for Annie in that scene as well, because, you know, you're just like, she's with this really nice guy. No, no problems. He's a nice guy. And mm -hmm. then sometimes you just realize there may be nothing wrong with you, but this is still not right. Something's still wrong here. And I totally, you know, I totally feel for both of them as, as, as their kind of relationship dissolves throughout the movie. You know, you, you can you can feel for both of them for sure in those mm -hmm. moments. Uh, definitely been on on both sides of that before. So, you know, oh. definitely feel for them. I was in a relationship with somebody for a while, <clears throat> and I realized, I'm like, I could marry this person and be content for the rest of my life. And I was like, I don't want to be content. I want to be happy. Yeah. Now, sadly, I was too young to have that type of discussion with her. I was too immature <laughs> And so I didn't handle it properly. Not my finest moment. <laughs> Shout out to, uh, I will give her a name. <laughs> I won't call her on the podcast. Put her on blast right I'm, now. I'm not going to put, I'm, I won't even put her on blast because she did nothing she wrong. I was the fucking asshole. I was the fucking asshole. So she knows who she is. She, do, she knows that I was an asshole. 
And she's probably not listening to this, so it's fine. Fuck no. She, <laughs> I'll tell you right now, it's 2022. This happened 22 years ago, Jesus. and she's still mad. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Manny. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, she's still mad. Now, I wasn't that big of an asshole where you still have to be mad 22 years later. I wasn't that. I didn't do anything that bad, but I know she is. Oh, that's hilarious. We ha we have mutual friends that I'm very very close. Oh to. man. Yeah. Well, that's small. That's small town. The small town life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, let's move on. <laughs> so, uh, Annie and Walter are driving to Walter's parents because uh, they're going to have Christmas morning with Walter's family, and they're in separate cars uh, because I think Annie has to leave. So they set it up. They they there's a throwaway line on why they're driving separate cars, and Annie's listening to the radio <clears throat> i fucking love when she's singing along horses 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 <laughs> makes me laugh meg ryan is great and oh, she really is she is she's so good in this oh. movie uh there's a radio broadcast on of this uh <laughs> call-in radio doctor help show and you hear this young boy talking about how his dad is uh, sad and needs a new wife. <laughs> and I love that Meg is talking out loud. Yeah. <laughs> which I, I, I won't lie. I do this as well. Not during movies. No, never. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Unlike fucking Mushhead. <laughs> yeah. Mushhead talks out loud during movies, Jordan. I feel like you were, you guys were shitting on her when you added her to the podcast or to the to the little group chat about that, like instantly. Oh fuck! <laughs> because I went took her to fucking Spider Man for her birthday, right. and she's fucking talking. She does it all the time. I'm like, there are other people in the theater. You rude bitch! Shut the fuck up! You can whisper to me. There's a whisper voice. <laughs> fucking mushhead. I fucking love her so much. <laughs> she's a fucking delight. But yeah, she talks. She talks out loud. Like she talks uh, in a normal voice in the movie theater. <laughs> God damn it, Mushhead. Oh, man. My dad would yell at people who did that. Good. She deserved <laughs> to be yelled like, at. He would like turn around and he'd be like, you better shut the fuck up. I'm Good. Like, okay. Oh, fuck. Next time you, <laughs> next time you see your dad, is, is he still alive? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Next time you see your dad, I want you to give him a hug and a kiss on the cheek and say it's from me. <laughs> Will do. Tell him, to keep, tell him to keep up the good work. Tell him to keep up the good work. <laughs> so, as she's talking out loud, as she's listening to uh, Jonah talk about her dad, um, her, this scene, and actually, the it's at this point here, the whole premise of the movie is being introduced to us, but it all hinges on Meg Ryan. You have steady shots on her face as you're watching her listen to a radio broadcast this requires a lot from meg ryan and she fucking nails it you believe that she's feeling what she's feeling you can see that she's enjoying this show she's having a good time and she's connecting with it and as this this part of the scene moves forward she starts to get very emotionally attached uh it's really she makes it believable that she would feel this and so I just want to really tip my cap to her in this scene. I think it's one of the strongest parts of her acting is in this part here, and it needs to be. Yeah, I totally agree. This movie, and you're right, this movie does 100% hinge on Meg Ryan falling in love 
because all you get from Tom Hanks is him trying to figure out how to get back into the world and Mm -hmm. dating random people, trying to figure out, you know, who he is now and what his, what his new identity gets to be. All the while, there's this woman in another city falling in love with him and, you know, only from what little she can, she can find out about him. It's, it's instant. So you are right. It does definitely hinge on her and she does do a good job of letting you know that she is falling for this guy. Yeah. And again, it has to come across as sweet as genuine um, not obsessive <laughs> have you do you have did you ever watch how i met your mother oh yeah so you know the Dahmer dobbler episode you might have to refresh me okay so do you know who lloyd dobbler is no okay lloyd dobbler is the main character in a movie called say anything played by john cusack oh yeah yeah okay, okay so dobbler or Dahmer, it's goes you are either ch- it's the theory of the romantic advance could either Dobbler or Dahmer. An act is only charming if the recipient finds it charming, making yeah. it Dobbler. But if the recipient is creeped out by it, it's a Dahmer. Ah, uh, yep. <laughs> and that's what this movie hinges on. 100%, 100% it does. <laughs> so if you think what Meg Ryan is doing is sweet, then you'll be like, oh, this is sweet. But if you look at it like, this is fucking creepy, it's fucking creepy. So it really boils down to how believable can Meg Ryan make this? Does she make it come across as sweet and innocent or does she make it come across as stalker and creepy? (laughs) And it's a really fine line and she navigates it, in my opinion, perfectly. There's only one thing she does in this movie that is super fucking creepy and we'll get there when we get there. Yes, we will. (laughs) Uh, I love the little breakup of the scene where she goes into the diner and she just walks in to get a tea which only costs 65 cents holy fuck yeah could you imagine <laughs> that'd be do you, great do you drink do you drink tea like do you order teas at places oh yeah i'm drink. i mean i'm drinking tea right now but oh yeah it's my my go-to is like a chai latte <laughs> so how much is a chai latte it's like six dollars <laughs> <laughs> that's like almost a hundred percent markup yeah exactly. i know that's like a that's like a 600% markup. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's fucking hilarious. Well, I I totally forgot about that, but when she comes in, she's like, can I get a tea? They're like, 65 cents. I'm like, 65 cents? Holy fuck. You can barely get like a small black coffee for 65 cents anywhere. Unbelievable. Um, but I love that she walks in and there she comes in the middle of a conversation, which you as the listener knows what you know what they're, they're talking about. But it takes her a few seconds to realize that they're talking about what she was just listening to. It's a nice, cute little scene. Uh, breaks up and she gets back in the car. And this is where it flips over to a little bit more on Tom Hanks. And this is when Tom Hanks starts talking about his wife. So now he has to sell on why he's taking so long to move on because he has to make it come across that this woman was and he says it early on um it doesn't happen twice he got yeah. he got lucky in love he found the love of his life sadly she passed away you only get one this is honestly i think one of my favorite scenes in the movie because mm-hmm. it's so genuine yep. tom hanks is just like i you know i found my person that was it yep um, it's actually really, it reminds me, I recently just watched a show. Have you heard of Afterlife on Netflix with Ricky Gervais? I've heard of it. It's been highly recommended to me by one of my best friends. Well, I will also highly recommend it to you because it kind of falls along this similar idea of Ricky Gervais just loses his wife and he's trying to figure out what the point of his life is now. Like, what does he, what does he do? 
who is he now that he doesn't have his best friend with him to experience everything that he still is experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very sad, depressing, but also light and funny show. Really well made. So I do highly recommend it. Nice. Um, but they, it just kind of brought me back to that because it's, again, just this man who was, you know, he just lost his best friend. Yep. Um, and even here, and the mother of his son. Yes. Like, that's a hard, th- you can't replace, that's hard to replace. You can't do it yep. properly. So I, I love the scene. I love how genuine he is. I love how he talks about how he deals with the grief and how he feels about his wife not being right beside him. Yeah. And one of the payoffs they have is <clears throat> he uses the word magic as well. Yeah. And it just hits Annie hard as she now realizes she's like, these are two people that have talked about magic. And she's like, I don't have that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the music is great here. Um, we cut to an editorial meeting. And I actually watched this movie twice this week. Oh. Uh, actually, I watched it. I watched it last night and took my notes and then I actually watched it today before we recorded as, oh. I, was, as I was typing up my notes just so I could have it on the background. Just to have it there. Just to have it there. <laughs> and I did not catch this because most of the time when I'm watching the movie, I'm just kind of paying attention. But because I wasn't paying attention, the beginning of this editorial meeting, I only know about this because the show is so popular. Much to everyone's surprise that likes TV, I never watched Seinfeld. Oh, me neither. No, but you. No. All, everybody knows this reference. It's one of the famous. It's one of the most famous Seinfeld episodes. They talk about it. Yeah. Not not Seinfeld because when this show came out, Seinfeld wasn't on air yet. <clears throat> the editorial meeting starts with the guy talking about the soup Nazi. <laughs> right. He says this guy makes incredible soup, but he's an absolute jerk and is really. <laughs> And I think she says, well, maybe you should write about that. The soup, Nazi nice. is, the soup Nazi is a real person in New York, or was a real person. So when Seinfeld did the episode on it, it's based off the real person. But at, in, this, in this show, or in this movie, they talk about this person right at the beginning of the scene. But it, it's, just, it's just the, you're catching the end of the conversation. Interesting. And I fucking was dying. I was like, well, how, <laughs> like I've watched this movie, like, honestly... 30 40 times that's hilarious and i'm like how have i never caught this before uh so that was great um we meet becky which is appears to be annie's editor because she does she seems to have some type of higher ranking because she helps decide she also has an office where annie doesn't yeah, but she's also the one like me. She says later on that maybe you sh- you have to go on a trip, and she kind of like okay's it. But it's weird because it feels like in their friendship relationship that Annie's a little bit more. I hate to kind of use this word, but a little bit more alpha in that relationship. Yeah, but like in the workplace, Becky definitely appears to have some type of editorial power over top of Annie. I don't know. Yeah, just just kind of a weird dynamic there, played by Rosie O'Donnell. Um, back to back years. Uh, this is what really launched her, uh, because the year before she was in a league of our own and then she had this. Oh, right. Guy, I love a league of our own. What a good fucking movie. Yeah. This oh. Becky is such a great friend. Yeah. Now, 
the only the only thing I well, Becky's so supportive. But what Annie's doing is kind of crazy, <laughs> and I love that Becky's on board with the crazy. Yeah. And they both call it out each time. They're like, "Oh, do you think this is crazy?" Yeah, but it feels right. <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, it's such a good friend." Well, it's funny because I. It reminds me of like me and some of my friends. We definitely have the. This is probably going to end badly, and this is stupid. But I fully support you in your endeavor of trying to do this. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, so this is, they go for a, I just want to quickly touch on this because Rosie O'Donnell, I think she does these little things. I love how quickly Rosie O'Donnell's demeanor changes when the subject of Walter comes up. She's like, the guy's a fucking loser. Uh, She's the, she's really the friend we all need in our lives. Yes. Yes. I, I have a friend like that who has no problem telling me the flat out truth, even if I don't want to hear it. Shout, shout out to you, Gino, who's definitely not listening. No. Oh, fuck no. 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 And if he is, I'd be fucking stunned. Gino, if you're listening and you quote this magic word, let's see, the magic word is rattlesnake. Oh, no, I can't do that because I know T-Bone will listen and fucking give him the word. That's what I was like. Is, is one of your friends going to try and Yeah, yeah. I was gonna, I'm going to say, Gino, you prove to me you listen to this and I'll take you up oh, for dinner. That's hilarious. Guaranteed he fucking doesn't listen. Guaranteed. Um, we jump ahead to New Year's. Uh, New Year's here is where um, Walter sets up that uh, they're going to be apart for a little while, which gives... Annie the freedom to pursue. It's all part of the plot, but they're going to meet in New York on Valentine's Day. <laughs> That's the unimportant part of this. Well, it's not the unimportant part. This is important for the plot. This part of the movie or this scene, this section of the movie is important to me because it, this is where it really sets up on what Sam is going through because this is where he has his dream of Maggie. Yeah. And it is, it is such a short but incredibly great scene. He has this imaginary conversation with her. And that I don't know who that actress is, but she's fucking hot. I always <laughs> forget how hot she is because you, you only see her twice. You see her yeah, outs, outside true. of Wrigley Stadium and here, and that's it. And she is smoking hot. <laughs> who the fuck is she? I can't find her. Uh, her name's Carrie Lowell. Holy, Lowell. What have you been in? That picture's actually really nice. Hello, Carrie. Let's see. License to Kill. Law and Order. Oh, she was on Law and Order for five years. Good for her. <laughs> she was a bank teller leaving Las Vegas. I don't remember that. Oh, 26 credits. She hasn't been in a lot. All right, let's see. Law and Order. So she was on there as a recurring character. This yeah. is the only thing I've seen her in. <laughs> she was in the TV series A League of Their Own. I didn't even know that existed. In the 90s. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen, I've seen Leaving Las Vegas because that's what... Um, <clears throat> Nicholas Cage won his Oscar for, but I don't. Oh she, right, she played bank teller, so <laughs> real, real go getter over yeah. there. Anyways, really good looking girl. Yeah, but what I love about here, uh, it's a really great setup of a shot because they she sits down at the end of the couch, and they have the whole scene with her, and then they flash back to reality where she's not there, and her not being in the frame makes it feel so empty. And you yeah. really feel that emptiness in Sam by that shot. I think it's, again, it's just a tip of the hat 
to what Nora Ephron does in this film. Um, next up, Sam gets all the mail. <laughs> so fucking funny. <laughs> it's so awesome. And I love that the kid's just going through all of yep. these letters, and he's like, oh, you should try this one. <laughs> yeah. What I, so oh, funny. The, the nice thing here, uh, one of the reasons this couldn't be made today, obviously, nobody would send letters. He would get, no. he, he would get DMs. Yeah, yeah. He would get DMs, which isn't as fun. But the yeah. funny thing is, they one lady, obviously, well, his fifth grade teacher, as, apparently, <laughs> yeah. is, the one, <laughs> is the one that sends pictures. I start wondering, I'm like, I know there's crazy girls out there. They probably sent inappropriate pictures for Jonah yep. to see. Oh. <laughs> and probably also items. Oh. Um, yeah. There is trust me if it was yeah. if it was if, <laughs> if it was gender flipped, this Gross. is a fucking this is horrible. This is terrible. It's, it's not even letters, it's just dick pics. Which nobody wants, I'm sorry. I, right? <laughs> no thank you. Nobody wants your dick pics. No. I don't even I don't even think gay guys want dick pics. No. <laughs> they are ugly. Oh, yes they are. <laughs> um Oh, go ahead. What you going to say? No. Oh, okay. Hold on. I got a drink. <laughs> I love one other aspect of the scene that I really enjoyed is how Sam starts talking about how you're supposed to date. He tells how it's all supposed to go and then he goes I think that's how it's done. And and Jonah's like, no, they call you. The best part about it is this is kind of like a low-tech version of how dating is now. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I was As I was watching the scene, I was like, holy fuck. I'm like, this forecasts how dating is 30 years in the future. Honestly, I wish we could go back. I want someone to write me so many letters rather than just like, say hey on like hinge <laughs> write me a letter give it to me oh that'd be amazing um we also get the cute scene of jonah asking sam if he's gonna have sex with the girl <laughs> are you gonna scratch up her back or she <laughs> like gonna scratch up your back yeah uh, J jed has cable jed has cable <laughs> fantastic uh next up we I think it's here. Pretty sure. Yeah, it's, this is where we see, unfortunately, um, Walter's bedtime routine. <laughs> where they have to wipe everything down. He's got to take all these pills. He's got, he's got a humidifier right next to the bed, which actually wouldn't be that bad. Actually, actually would be kind of nice, especially that sound. I love, I love ambient sound when I'm sleeping. Uh, but Annie now has the seeds of doubt in her mind. And if it hadn't basically in all honesty, if it hadn't been for the word magic, I think she would have been fine for the rest of her life. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not truly happy, but, but happy. content. <laughs> yeah. Happy and content. I don't yeah. even know if content because prior, like at the dinner, she's so excited. Yeah, that is true. So maybe like maybe happy, but not as happy as she could be. Um, but she, she can't sleep. Her yeah. mind, her mind is she's having second doubts, second thoughts, and so she goes down. Great payoff scene here. Uh, she starts. She just turns on the radio, 
and they're playing like the best of of Dr. Marsha Fieldstone. <laughs> um, the I don't I don't know because you've only seen it once, but one yeah. of the people they talk about uh, is uh, it's disappointed in Denver. Yeah. The woman's voice, the one that is disappointed in Denver, that's Nora Ephron. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but she starts peeling the apple, and you don't think anything of it. Uh, and then as she's listening to Sam again, she starts crying. And she realizes, okay, there's, I'm feeling something. I, I, need, I need to pursue this. Otherwise, it, it's just it's going to bother me. So she goes to her brother for advice. <laughs> Played by David Hyde Pierce. Did you ever watch Frasier? No. No. I did not. Okay. So this actor doesn't really mean much to you then? Not really. Okay. Frasier, I never watched Frasier either, but Frasier was a massive sitcom hit yeah. in the 90s. And I, if I'm not mistaken, like I'm not looking it up, <clears throat> I think he won numerous Emmys for his, for his portrayal as uh, Nigel on, on Frasier. Yeah, I believe it. Like, I, I always know of him. I've definitely recognized him. Like, if I saw him, like, where's he from? I'd be like, oh yeah, Frasier. I just never really watched the show. Yeah. But I, neither, I, did, yeah. neither did I. I didn't watch. I didn't watch TV in the '90s. Like, I barely watched any TV in the '90s. I was, obs even. I was, I was obviously obsessed with movies. Yeah. And the '90s is when film just went to another level. It was fucking awesome. I was. It was a great time to be alive. I won't lie. I think if anything, I know him more from his like voice acting. Mm. Bugs Life. From like, yeah, Bugs Life. He's done some Simpson stuff. I feel like that's nice. That's probably where I would know him the most from. I love that she goes. She goes to him for advice, and she's trying to. She's she's latched onto this magic idea, and so she's trying to see if her brother will confirm that. And she's like, well, "Why <laughs> did you get married?" Well, Becky said if we didn't get married, we'd have to break up. So we got married. <laughs> You're like. Awesome. What a great what a great reason to get married. Fantastic. Oh, men. <laughs> men are so easy sometimes. Yeah. So dumb. So dumb. Um she doesn't quite get the reassurance she's looking for. But she also he's kind of more of a practical kind of thing. And so she's not sure what to do. Sam over on the other side of the country. Uh, he starts learning about how dating is today from Rob Reiner. I love Rob Reiner. I love this scene. <laughs> I think this is easily one of my favorite scenes as well, the uh, the diner scene. The diner scene? <clears throat> yeah. One of the things I love, one of the other reasons that I, I like this movie so much is that I, go to, I used to go to Seattle a lot. And mm -hmm. so this scene, before they get into that diner, when they're walking... They're walking down to Pike's Place Public Market. Right. I've walked that street so many times. It just makes me so happy. The diner that they're that they're in, that's in Pike's Place Public Market. I've been in there. I fucking love it. It just makes me so happy to see these little Seattle things because I love that city <laughs> so much. Uh, I love that uh, his buddy uh, is checking out his ass, see if he has a nice butt, helping him out. <laughs> Uh, and then they start talking about how dating is now in the 90s. One of the things that um, Rob Reiner's character talks about here is how they're good. The necking 
<clears throat> making out <laughs> will go on for weeks, and then you'll get tested, and then you can have sex with a condom. <laughs> this is still pretty high into the AIDS crisis. Yeah. So uh, safe sex was still very high on people's minds. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was scary. Yeah. Yeah, it was scary. Fair. Didn't stop me from having sex, but I was scared. (laughs) (laughs) I was not. uh, I was not. uh, You weren't that scared. I was a I was a serial monogamist. Ah. So I felt safe in the sex I was having. I was not sleeping yeah. around because in all honesty, I th- I think the a- I think AIDS scared me that I just wanted to be with one person. <laughs> I'm like, I don't I don't want to die. I don't want to die because I fucked. That's That's so interesting. That's just wrong. Yeah. Something something that feels that good should not <laughs> cause my death. No thank you. No thank you. <laughs> Oh, man. That is God punishing me. (laughs) And you made it. Congratulations. Not out of the the woods yet. I'm I'm single right now. AIDS is still out there. I got to dodge AIDS and Corona. This is fucking horrible. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah. The funny thing is... (laughs) Far too much of my ideas on love and dating were completely shaped by movies. And yeah. so in, in this scene here where Rob Reiner says tiramisu, <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is tiramisu? What if some girl asked me to do tiramisu? I won't know what to do. I knew exactly how Tom Hanks felt. And I think that's so much fun watching it now because I'm just like, do you imagine not knowing what tiramisu is? Yeah, I was, I would have been, well, when this movie came out, I was 18, but I would, I would have been 19 when I saw it because I would have seen yeah. it. It would have came out. There was a a much larger uh, theatrical window, so this came out in June. It probably didn't come out to home video till almost the end of the year, if not 94. Damn. Yeah. You had to you had to wait wait to watch movies. <laughs> I do remember having to wait to watch some movies, but I've definitely had most of my life they've been available relatively quickly on digital streaming services and or like iTunes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a great scene. I love it. Uh, it's really fun. It's so fun. And it's just so nice to see Sam's like. I would love to do this. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing anymore. I haven't dated in years. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Even it's um, because he gets doesn't he get like Jay asks him like how long has it been? Doesn't he say something about like uh since like Kennedy Carter Carter Carter? <laughs> oh, that line is so funny. Yeah, I think Jimmy Carter was president. Yeah. I think seventy eight eighty two. I think yeah. or around around there, late seventies, early eighties, and then Reagan was the president for most of the eighties. Right. Actually, that might work out. Roughly, roughly, it's roughly around there. So yeah, so Sam would or Sam would have been with Maggie for, for looking at ni- filming in ninety two, maybe set ninety three. So prop been married for about fifteen years. Yeah. <clears throat> um, That's a long time. Yeah, it is. Uh, Annie, following her heart, writes a letter to Sam, and with the help of Becky. 
and this is one of my favorite lines in the movie. Uh, she's like, a movie. That's your problem. You don't want to be in love. You want to be in love in a movie. Uh, true words were never spoken. <laughs> is this is this like have they like just watched an affair to remember, or is this is that later? This is in this exact scene. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They're they're watching it while she's writing the letter. Right. Yeah. She crumples up the letter, throws it at Becky, and Becky keeps it. <laughs> Again. Annie starts talking about Walter, and immediately <laughs> Becky starts rolling her eyes. It is fucking awesome. Rosie O'Donnell is a fucking champion in this movie. Oh, she is. Uh, and again, it's one of the great. It's one of the 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 tightrope that Meg Ryan has to walk. You still have to believe that she loves Walter. She's not pursuing this thing with some complete stranger because it's malicious. It's just that she feels she's missing something in her life. She's missing this magic that she's heard about. Walter is a good man. Walter's going to treat her great. It's one of the great things about this movie is that the other guy, air quotes, other guy in the movie isn't one of those jerks. One of the things, one of the things I always hate about rom-coms, and, and I'll use one that's incredibly popular that never really worked for me that much. It was enjoyable the first time, but Wedding Crashers. I haven't seen I've it. I've never seen Wedding Crashers, actually. Yeah. Okay, well, Wedding Crashers, Rachel McAdams, <clears throat> Owen Wilson is trying to get Rachel McAdams. She's in the movie, she's dating Bradley Cooper. And Bradley Cooper oh. is a fucking absolute piece of shit. He does not treat Rachel McAdams good. You're like, why the fuck would she be with this guy in the first place? Yes, Bradley Cooper's good looking, but <laughs> but but women aren't as superficial as men when it comes to that. No. You could hang out with a guy for a bit if he's really hot. Fuck around with a guy if he's pretty hot, but you're not sticking out long term just because he's hot. Unless... No, you're going to hit a limit where you cannot deal with their shit anymore and you're like, "All right, you got to yeah. get the fuck out of here." Go and away. It's, it's one of This the... was fun. Yeah. Bye. It's one of the problems I've always had with a lot of romantic comedies is that the other guy is such a complete fucking douchebag. You're like, why is the romantic interest of the movie with that guy in the first place? Just never made sense to me. But whatever. In here, it's one of the reasons that I like this is that Wal the only thing wrong with Walter is he's got some health problems. <laughs> he's a bit of a dweeb, but I'm a dweeb, so <laughs> it gave me hope. I'm like, I might, maybe I can score a chick like Meg Ryan. I didn't. Um, <laughs> uh, the next part of the movie is a another really sweet, tender moment, which is there to re again to remind us that Sam, while he's trying to move on with his life, he still does have uh, a affection for his wife. And this is Jonah's nightmare. And they have a really great moment where Jonah admits that he's starting to forget his mom. And I think he's only eight or he's supposed to be eight or nine in this movie, if I remember correctly. Something like that. Yeah. yeah he's, he's definitely to... not 12 because they have to like. Yeah. They got to pretend he's size him up. Yeah. I think he, I'm, I'm going to go with nine. And now that my daughter's almost nine, I'm like, you still look older than my kid. Um, <laughs> but um, 
the fact that he's starting to forget her, uh, it it hurt it hurt my heart. Oh yeah, that yeah. broke my heart too. Like, buddy, no, <laughs> yeah. you can't do that. And this is where Tom just pulls out some of that acting that he has, and this is the beginning of the Tom Hanks fucking superstardom. Yeah, because the year prior he had uh, a league of their own. And then this year, he's got Sleepless in Seattle and Philadelphia. And next year's Forrest Gump. The year after that's Apollo 13. This is when he goes on this fucking run. So this is where Tom Hanks is really starting to come into his own and start to flex his, uh, his acting muscles. And this is one of the scenes where he does really good. He starts talking about it. And we get the payoff. Your mom could peel an apple with mm-hmm. in one straw. It would be all. And you're just like, <gasps> oh. <laughs> And he does that. <laughs> this is the credit to, the, again, the writing and the directing of Nora Ephron. She set it up earlier. In you don't even think about it. She's just peeling an apple. I've seen people peel apples with a knife before. Not a big deal. But it's so <laughs> visually different from what normally goes on. So when he says this, you immediately remember it. Yeah, and that's true. And I'm just like, true. fucking set up and pay off. Well done, <laughs> Nora. Well done. Um, but they also mention uh, Sam's always like, you're, like he says, like your mom always took care of you when you had the nightmares. So this might be the first one he's had since the mom died. And you find out that she would sing to him. She would sing Bye Bye Blackbird. And then the song Bye Bye Blackbird <laughs> comes in over top. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm going to cry. But it's so awesome. And then. Yeah. And then they have s- such a nice little. They have such nice chemistry. The, the Tom Tom Hanks and, and the kid. They yeah. they work together so well, and you truly believe they've got like a great father son relationship. Totally. And it just it were it's it's probably one of my favorite parts of the movie is is their relationship mm-hmm. uh, as father and son. I think they're so good. Totally. So Annie's decided she is going to pursue this to its extreme. And she starts to research <laughs> and or stalk Sam. Stalk? Yeah. Dahmer or this, Dobler? This, see, this was definitely the moment for me where I'm like, I don't think I like this. <laughs> I don't think I like where this is going. I don't want this to happen. And then it happens. I'm like, uh, no, that feels wrong. Feels wrong to me. Totally fair. With under today's lens. Yeah. Get it. I guarantee you that thought never crossed anybody's mind in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. I, I'm telling you flat out. No, not not one person ever. When this movie came out, everybody talked about. Not one was like, eh, "It's a little kind of creepy." What Meg does, don't you think? I'm like, nope. Nobody said a thing. I guarantee you. And like I said, yeah. if somebody said, "I thought that was kind of weird back then," they're fucking lying. <laughs> Nobody had a problem with this. So, through my rose-colored glasses of nostalgia. Just let it go. <laughs> Just let it go. The one thing she does... Actually, I just realized there are two things she does that have bothered me. So the first one, hiring the private detective. But yep. <laughs> this is a plot mechanic needed to set up the hair. Yeah. Which works out well because it pays off. Um, so Sam, Sam goes out on a date. Just before he goes on a date, they get another letter, and it's the letter from Annie. 
Another great baseball reference in here, because she's from Baltimore, so she says that Brooks Robinson is the greatest third baseman of all time, which I happen to agree with. (laughs) The vast majority of people will say Mike Schmidt, and that is actually legitimately the proper answer, but I think Brooks Robinson was a much better third baseman. (laughs) My own opinion, we'll move on from there. Uh, We also get the cute scene of the map where he forces Jonah to use logic. Where's Seattle and where's Baltimore? <laughs> Tom Hanks doing his great, almost overacting. I, I love when he gets to that point. How many states are between us? One, two, three, eight. That, there's 14 states in between us. And then he runs out the door. Jonah calls on the date, saying we should go to New York. And the best part is, being a parent, I'll be trying to do something important and my daughter will come up and ask me the most asinine question at the most inopportune time. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be like, do you not see what I'm doing right now? I almost want to be like, are you fucking kidding me right now with this bullshit? I fucking love my daughter. I love that Tom plays it off, goes back to his date with Victoria. And we get the uh, POV of the private investigator taking pictures of Sam on his date. Never getting a picture of Victoria's face, but very distinct hair, which will pay off later. Victoria is going to cook dinner for them. They're at Pike's Place. I was so fucking happy to see Pike's Place. (laughs) I fucking love Pike's Place. That place is amazing. Amazing fresh food. I've heard. I've never been to Seattle. It is high on my list of places to go. As this pandemic is coming to a close, that's definitely near the top of the list of uh, of destinations to to hit up soon. Because you know you hear nothing but good things about about Seattle, and you know everyone wants to see Pike Place at least once. Have you been to Van- you've been to Vancouver? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Seattle's just a a nicer Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> I love Seattle. Love it. Uh, Victoria cooks dinner. (laughs) Now, we have to set up why isn't Victoria right for Sam? Because if she's too nice or too hot, we're not going to believe that Sam would want to have anything to do with Annie, even though he has never met this girl. And what is it? Oh, that laugh. Her laugh. (laughs) Her laugh. You know, I'll be honest with you, Manny. My standards aren't particularly high at the moment. <laughs> that is a big no-no. That would not get date number two. I'm like, oh so, no, sorry. This has been this has not been great. Bye. <laughs> the laugh wouldn't be too much of a detriment for me. What would be the detriment is laughing at everything. Yeah. Because that's disingenuous to me. It feels like you're trying to play up to my very fragile male ego. (laughs) Absolutely. 100%. But my ego isn't fragile enough where I, especially when it comes to humor, I'll pump my own boats. I know I'm funny. But if I say something that's not funny and somebody laughs, like dies laughing, I'm like, come on. Like, that's not happening. <clears throat> and I've been there. So, my sense of humor is probably the 
Well, I shouldn't say the only thing. I was going to say, my sense of humor is probably the only thing that I have a pretty big ego about. I just have a big ego in t in, as it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but my sense of humor is the one thing I'm pretty confident in. And so when I... If I was in this situation where if I say anything and she's busting out laughing like she is, yeah, there, this is not going anywhere. I don't even... Victoria is attractive enough. Even if she was fucking smoking hot, I'm sorry, I, I wouldn't be able to handle that. Because no, it's just so not genuine. Yeah. It's just like, I can't, I don't want to be, I don't even want to be around you. This is, you are, it is too much. Mm -hmm. You need to chill out. You need to come back down to earth and we can talk. But she's just like, she's out there. Yeah. Jonah is so bitter. It's so funny. My favorite parts of this, I think genuinely my favorite parts of this movie are is how much Jonah hates this woman. Yeah. <laughs> All of his eye rolls and his sneer comments at yeah. her. Oh, it's so good. Oh, and what I also love is again, and I think it's because this is, well, it's directed by a woman, but uh, also written uh, partly by a woman. Uh, the other writer, by the way, uh, David Ward, um, he's actually done a movie that I love. He's actually the writer director of major league. But he's actually. I haven't seen that. He's also. Uh, he won an Oscar for writing. He wrote um, the Best Picture winner, I think, in 72 called The Sting with Paul Newman uh -huh. and um, Robert Redford. So David Ward is, is a pretty good writer. His filmography is all over the map. But. Um, yeah. The. One of the things I like, again, what I, what I want to touch on with the it being a female director is that. While Victoria is slightly annoying with the laugh and a little overzealous, she's not dumb. She sees that Jonah is being a little dick. And she's obviously being tolerant because she's new in the relationship and she wants to try to be the best person she can. She's not a bitch, but no. she also, like, she's, you can just see it in the way she holds herself and the way she is. She understands. This young man has lost his mother. She's the first one to come along after that. She's got a big job ahead of her. Yeah, those and are some she, of the hardest shoes to fill. Yeah, and but she's up for it. And that's what I, and that's one of the things I like. Now, yeah. I obviously don't want Victoria to be the one and <laughs> spoiler, guess what? She's not. But Wow, I, I incredible. Lo I love that the only thing wrong with Victoria is that is her laugh is annoying and she's a little overzealous in, in pumping up his, his ego yeah. with his jokes. That's it. There's nothing else wrong with her. She's not a bitch. She's not mean to Jonah. She's not conniving behind him. or any She's not a gold digger. She has her own company. Like, it's great. Yeah. I, and I 100% believe that that is because of Nora Ephron. Yeah, well, and it's, it ties into what we're talking about with Walter, that, you know, these these other people, they're not bad people. Mm -hmm. They're not jerks. They're not bitches. They're not assholes. Like, they're they're good people who, you know, are just not the ones. Yep, exactly. And that's fine. Not, you know, <clears throat> you don't always have to portray, you know, someone you don't like as a piece of shit. <laughs> it just doesn't. Yeah. That's not usually how it goes. Sometimes you're just like, you're really nice. You're really great you're not for me. Bye. 100%. Annie is woken up in the middle of the night by a phone call. 
Becky has now been sucked <laughs> into this and is listening to the radio and desperately needs Annie to turn it on because Jonah has called back into the Dr. Marsha's field zone. And he goes downstairs, listening, enraptured by what she hears, terrified that Walter will find out. So climbs inside her utility closet. (laughs) (laughs) Jonah, freaking out that his dad is... Uh, dating somebody in his words a hoe my dad is dating a hoe (laughs) Dr. Marsha for her credit is trying to calm Jonah down also trying to get some communication to go between Jonah and his father so while Dr. Marsha definitely took advantage of their initial phone call by getting Sam on there You can see that, again, she's not a piece of shit either, as she's actually giving solid advice here. Uh, But I fucking love that Jonah calls her a hoe. Jonah, (laughs) desperately trying to prevent anything from occurring, screams that he's seen a spider. Perfectly cut at the same time is Walter opening the cabinet and Annie screaming as well. (laughs) I think he says I can't remember what he said. He uses the, the the game the the board the game board board game game board clue. <laughs> I think Miss Scarlet in the closet with the radio. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. It's just funny. It is funny. It's well funny done. guy. <laughs> <clears throat> she has to quickly think on her feet to cover up a lie. Lying, not good. Uh, lying and stalking, hey? Oof. Yeah, lying and stalking. Her <laughs> stock is dropping. <laughs> She's still hot. Um, <clears throat> Annie decides that she's going to, quote, unquote, write a story. And Becky, being the good friend, I think you'll need to travel. You'll have to go somewhere to do research on this. Perhaps Seattle. So Annie goes to Seattle to completely stalk Sam. Mm. <laughs> Sam happens to be dropping Victoria off at the airport. And again, this is where we set up that Victoria isn't a bad person because she says perhaps just her and Sam could go somewhere alone together. Mm-hmm. So they can build on their relationship. She tries to reach out <clears throat> to Jonah to try and, like, can I bring you something back? And Jonah's a, a little douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Because he wants Sam to check out this Annie girl's letter. Now this moment, while this is obviously a huge coincidence that they happen to be at the same place at the same time, what isn't a coincidence is that when Meg Wright walks out and Sam sees her, uh, she's smoking (laughs) hot girl. Yeah. (laughs) His eyes just dart. He's like, uh. (laughs) My only, the only thing, again, I have no problem in suspending disbelief. For for all movies that can suspend disbelief, I can I'll pick, I can pick holes in everything. <clears throat> the only thing is, is that they're not that far away from one another, and she knows what Sam looks like, and he's literally right there. And you can see yeah. when she comes out, she's kind of looking around. I think she would have noticed him because, he, like, from where they're sitting, watching Victoria. Go, and this is all pre nine eleven, <laughs> so you can do whatever. <laughs> yeah, the they're at the gate. <laughs> yeah, they're at the gate. Um, <clears throat> Victoria's gate and Annie's gate are right beside one another, and 
Jonah's playing on the bar that separates them, so they're standing right where Annie comes out. So she should have seen him, but that's me nitpicking anything I can because I'm a dick. <laughs> but I love that he sees her. Obviously, she is stunningly beautiful. And it looks like he's going to build up the courage to go talk to her, even though he just saw his girlfriend off <laughs> on the airport. Maybe not a girlfriend. They're just they're just dating. I've only yeah. had, as far as we know, two dates at this point. Yeah, really. Right? So who knows? Yep. Whatever. Anything's on the table. Ain't no fucking ring on this finger. <laughs> I never looked. Did he have... Did he, was he still wearing his wedding ring? Fuck, I'm going to have to rewatch that movie. Oh, that's a good question. Probably not. Oh. Probably not when he was on his date because that would be a red flag. Yeah, that's a red flag. <laughs> that's a red <laughs> For flag. Sure, it is. That's a that's a nice place for girls' eyes to go right away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll tell you this though. I'll tell you this. When I was married and I had my ring on my finger, I still got quite a bit of attention. Oh, that doesn't stop <clears throat> a lot of girls. <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> There are some girls who look for, you know, girls look for different reasons. Some, some want to see it, some don't. <laughs> yep. Whatever. Whatever. Um, she goes to his house, which, by the way, I actually forgot to mention. Um, I've been to that house. Oh, cool. Not right to it. Like, I didn't go right up yeah. to the door, but I did, uh, I did what, like one of those touristy, I did like, yeah. a I did a duck boat tour. One, if anybody's in Seattle, do the duck boat tours. 100% worth the money. Cool. So fucking awesome. So fucking cool. They take you into that lake that that house is on. And you and you go, you don't go really close to it because it's so popular. The duck boats don't yeah. want to get too close. But you, you, like, you see it clear as day. And they tell you, like, that's the house from Sleepless in Seattle. I was like, oh, that's fucking awesome. Um, so yeah, that was, that was cool. But she goes to his house, which makes me wonder, <clears throat> what was she going to say? Yeah, I, this, this is really the moment where I'm like, you know what? You're going to get on a plane. Okay. You're going to try to run into this guy. You're going to go to his house. You're going to go right to his house. You're going to like peek through the windows like that. Would Don't you, do that. <laughs> would you play the reporter card? Yeah. My only thing with that is if she drops like. I'm a reporter from Baltimore Sun, you know, I'm doing the story. I think he would have shut that down immediately. Cause he's yeah. he had, like he has no interest in any of the letters. Like the date he goes on is somebody that he knows professionally. He had yeah, no exactly. interest in pursuing any of those letters. So I don't know what she was planning on. She misses them by mere moments and sees them in the boat. <laughs> this is the other Dahmer or Dobbler thing she does. The first one was hiring the private detective. The second is spying on them while they're playing on the beach. Yep, that was weird. <laughs> Did not like that. Did not like it. It's super, gotta... super fucking creepy. My my, my <clears throat> I I cringed a little bit. I like clenched my hands. I'm like, no, I, this is not settling well. Yep. So this is this is part. This is something you have to just let go of. Yeah. Or, I don't say you have to. This is something if you're willing to let go of. This is 100% Dahmer or Dobbler. And even though I love this movie, it's still Dahmer. I could understand, like, she sees them on the boat. She follows them. This, Her following them because maybe she's like, I'm going to build up the nerve. 
then when she sees that they're at this beach and it's just the two of them and they're just having this father-son moment, if she had gone back to her hotel and like, okay, I'll try again tomorrow. But her watching them for, <clears throat> I would say, they, they must have been there for an hour, maybe two. Yeah. Yeah, that's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> if yep. you're listening to this, please don't do that. <laughs> yes. Bad idea. That's bad. <laughs> bad idea. She goes back to her hotel and she calls Becky for reassurance. Now, this is where Becky fails as a friend. Because she tells them, she tells Becky what she did. It's like, I watched him play with her son on the beach. And Becky's like, mm, you're Jeffrey Dahmer. You're not Lloyd Dobler. That's what she should have said. Absolutely. 100%. <clears throat> but this is where I think, I don't know the, ex I, I don't have the quote, but this is where she asks for reassurance. She's like, is this crazy? And Becky admits that this is definitely not normal but it feels right that she should be doing this. And that is such a great friend move. Such a great friend move because while she has definitely flown across the country to try and talk to a guy she's never actually met, she's following her heart. And she it's not like we know, Sam doesn't know, which we'll get to in a moment, but we know there's no ill intent on Annie's part. She's not a crazy stalker. It's just kind of, coming across that way in today's lens but everything she's doing is coming from pure of heart with no ill intentions now of course crazy fucking stalker people can say the same thing i wasn't gonna hurt him <laughs> i just wanted to live inside of his pants for a year <laughs> it's but but with these characters we know what kind of person annie is yeah it like it doesn't it, diminish how creepy it was no it would have bothered me it would have bothered me a lot more if I don't know. It would have bothered me a lot more if like the situation was maybe a little different. If it was slightly more creepier, mm -hmm. um, I don't know. But something about it still just like that's yeah. Yep. Like if someone did that for me, I would be I would hate it. I'd be creeped out. I'm like, you need to get the fuck away from me. Restraining order. Do not do that. It's a lot. But I can, I can, per I can understand at the time. It it wasn't as creepy, and honestly, that's what I enjoy so much about going back and watching all these movies. Like you guys going through like the '90s, of just seeing how different things have been in the last like 30 years. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's like um, <clears throat> when we reviewed True Lies, <laughs> Arnold's. Total fucking gaslighting and mistreatment of his wife. When I watched that in 94, I didn't think there was anything. I don't think he did anything wrong. <laughs> and now you're like, oh, fuck that guy. <laughs> like, that's, th that's, <laughs> did you watch the movie? Mm -hmm. Okay. I did. <laughs> the, scene, the scene where he pretends to be that arms dealer and she <laughs> does like that sexy dance. I'm like, this is so romantic. Oh, I was in, cringing so hard. <laughs> in 94, I'm like, this is amazing. This is going to be so romantic. And then, obviously, like, the terrorists come. <laughs> Nowadays, I'm like, holy fuck, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> holy fuck, he's a piece of shit. And the interrogation scene is even worse. But I get, uh, I fully, and I, I'm 100% sure I said it on, on the episode. In 1994, that thought 
never occurred to me. Yeah. I didn't see that he was doing anything wrong in 1994. I fully admit to it. But guess what? I've changed. Good. <laughs> yeah. People can change. Hear it. Yeah, they pe can. people can change. We don't need to cancel people. We don't need to cancel them. You can let them learn from their mistakes instead of crucifying them. Just my thoughts. Okay. Because <laughs> I can tell you right now, <laughs> I would be in a lot of trouble for some of the things I said and did in the <laughs> 90s. 100%. 100%. Let's move on before I sink myself even more. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. The next day, uh, Annie has... She's decided, she's like, okay, I'm going to go talk to Sam. She pulls up. Sam is unloading some groceries. And this is where we get the payoff of the uh, private investigator shots because a woman with the exact same haircut shows up and Sam is super excited to see her, as is Jonah. Annie has no reason to believe that this is anyone other than that girl from the date. They do a nice little thing where Jonah jumps into her arms. And if, if you don't know what's going on, you're like, why the fuck is Jonah hugging Victoria? But she <laughs> spins, uh, and we see that it's Rita Wilson, whose character I don't even know the name of. No. Um, Susie. Which I, I, did not even, I did not even know that that is apparently his sister. Yeah. I, I thought they were just friends. But I think I inferred sister. I'm like, that makes sense. Nice. I can tell you right now, I didn't know it was her sister until recently. <laughs> um, but we see that it's Susie, and he doesn't know who it is. But she's kind of stepped out a little bit of traffic. So we hear, we hear something which catches Sam's attention, and he looks over, and he sees the hot girl from the airport. And he walks over, and I think he says, it's you. Or hi, and she says yeah. hi, and then she stepped further into traffic, almost get hit by a car. Great <laughs> jump cut to the the fucking map of the states, and the dot 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 dot. dot. She <laughs> flies back to Baltimore. Um, when she gets when she gets home, she's talking with Becky. Uh, she finds out Becky mailed the letter because she got another letter from Seattle, which right. was we forgot to mention was written by. Uh, Jonah and <laughs> uh, oh right, what was Jess, her name? Jess, Jessica, maybe. I'm fairly certain it's Jessica. Uh, whoops. Let's see, where are you? Yeah, Gabby Hoffman, and Jessica. Jessica. Yeah. Um, the great Gabby Hoffman, who, in my heart, will always be Kevin Costner's daughter from Field of Dreams. Oh, God, I love that little girl. Um, <laughs> their, their writing of the letter uh, where they are MFEO meant for each other <laughs> using acronyms for a bunch of stuff. Oh. Uh, they don't quite clue in that it was written by children. Just <laughs> <Which is> incredible. <laughs> but this is where Annie's like, I've made a mistake. I need to be with Walter. This was a childish crush. I'm over it. I'm moving on. We jump back to Seattle in one of my favorite scenes. Uh, Sam with his family, his brother-in-law, and his sister, Susie. Uh, Victor Garber is so young. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I noticed that, too. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Well, it's funny because this is like 29 years ago. <laughs> yeah. 
Oof. He's so young. Rita starts talking about an affair to remember, and she is unreal in this scene. Talking about the plot of the movie, trying not to cry, yeah, failing she has like a it. mini breakdown. <laughs> complete mini breakdown is this movie obviously means something to her, and the two guys are like, what the fuck is going yeah. on? Jonah's even better. He's like, is she okay? <laughs> Victor Garber's like, she's fine. She's fine. Um... I can't remember what she says. Oh, okay. Yeah, I do remember. They're talking about how all these people wrote in the letters, and Victor Garber repeats the line from earlier on, it's easier, you're, a woman in her 40s is more likely to get killed by a terrorist than to get married. <laughs> and she goes, that's not true, it's very not true. And Victor Garber does this. Now, only Jordan's going to see it. He's... <laughs> He's like, right, honey, right. And he gives her this kiss off. <laughs> Holy fuck, do I love that line. His entire delivery of it, it is so awesomely condescending, but not quite mean enough where his wife will actually get mad. It's right <laughs> at that precipice where he's being such a dick, but not enough of a dick where the wife will get angry. It's It goes right up to that line. He's like, mm. You're so right. It's the most sarcastic, like, whatever you say, honey. Mm -hmm. You're right this time. It is one of my favorite line readings in the entire movie, and I do that to people all the time. I fucking, that little fucking kiss off. He's like, mm -hmm. yeah, you're right, honey. You're right. Oh, it's fucking awesome. Victor Garber is awesome. Big fan of Victor Garber. Yeah. <clears throat> Go back to Baltimore. <clears throat> Walter gives Annie the ring. They have this scene where they are uh, registered, registering for their wedding. Uh, and Annie's talking all about how she's safe, content, happy that there's no surprises. And you can see Walter's like, that's not cool. Like, you're kind of being mean. You're kind of making me sound like... I'm not that interesting. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, dude. I'm like, that's gonna hurt. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah. He's this... like just resized his mother's ring and all that for her. Yeah. The Sam is preparing to go on a trip with Victoria. Jonah is livid that Sam will not discuss the thing with Annie. They get angry at one another. Slams the door, and Sam starts talking about getting laid. And again, this is all during the AIDS epidemic. So sex isn't... Sex was very special. You had to be very careful. And so I fucking love this. And I love that he's talking <laughs> He's talking to himself, and then Jonah comes in, and he realizes, he's like, when did you get here? How much did you hear? He's like, <laughs> six girls, maybe seven. Okay. Eight! Eight! I love... <laughs> so good. So, so good. proud. Yeah. Uh, again, another movie reference. Uh, talking about Fatal Attraction. Um, have you seen Fatal Attraction? I have not. Fuck, you should watch it. It is terrifying as a male. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a really good movie. Really good. Uh, oh, Michael Douglas. Yeah, Michael Douglas, Glenn Close. Oh, a young Michael Douglas, damn. Yeah. 
definitely worth watching 100%, especially for Glenn Close. She is unbelievable in yeah. that movie. Yeah. Um, Jonah Runs Away. Um, this might be... Might be the first time I've watched this since I became a father. Mm. And my anxiety went through the roof. I bet it did. I... I even knew it was coming, but once Jonah went missing and Tom's running around the house looking for him, I'm like, oh, I'm like, I know where he is, but I'm like, oh my God, this kid's nine years old. And he's flying on a plane by himself and he gets to New York and he's by himself. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. <clears throat> I was sweating and I was like, what the fuck? This is ridiculous. I think my only thought was I couldn't have done that at nine, at nine years old. <laughs> I barely enjoy flying by myself now, let alone as a as a child. I would have gotten so anxious. I would have gotten lost. I never would have been found again. I went to New York by myself when I was uh, would have been would have been holy shit thirty two thirty two. <laughs> I think was when I went <clears throat> roughly. Yeah, thirty two. I was thirty two. <clears throat> Terrified. Terrified. Yeah. <laughs> Terrified. Especially New York of all places. It is big and busy. I've No thanks. <laughs> I have never seen so many people. Yeah, I bet. It was unbelievable. I have some great New York stories. I was I was there for like 48 hours and I have some amazing New York <laughs> stories. I won't tell them here though. Um yeah, uh, Jonah being alone in New York had me fucking freaking out. Annie and Walter are in New York. Uh, they go to the um, uh, they go up to the restaurant. Uh, they see the Empire State Building. Her guilt overtakes her. Her realization that what she's doing is wrong. That Walt she is basically settling for Walter, and he does deserve better. I love that she completely comes clean about everything, and you don't even need the scene of her telling it because you cut away we. She starts, they cut away, and then they come back to after she's told him everything. And Walter's so forgiving. Yeah, I really love and appreciate his reaction of him being like, you know what? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. And again, just showing that, you know, just because you kind of fuck someone up doesn't mean, you know, they got to be a big jerk about it. Mm -hmm. You know, he is very respectful of the decision. He understands where she's coming from. He probably had a tingling of it, you know, over the last little while. And definitely he's like, OK. And then he doesn't become a big jerk. <laughs> no, he's just like he's like I, he's like, I don't want I don't want to be anybody's basically says I don't want to be anybody's plan B. Yeah, I don't want anyone to settle for me. Yeah, exactly. And I, I love him for that. Yeah. Walter is he's great. She gives the ring back. And then he's like, they he he could be there right now. And she's like, no. And then she realizes like, he could be. And she's like, well, this is the this is the kind of the one slap in the face to Walter. She's like, I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of shitty. Just leaves him in the middle of this nice dinner yeah. after she just broke his heart a little bit. He's yeah. like, you yeah, got, I'll just you, you stay got the, here. You got the bill, right, yeah, right the Wally? Bill. <laughs> you got the bill, right, Wally? <laughs> Wicked. See ya. I'm going to go I'm going to go continue stalking this guy. Yeah, exactly. Fuck. <laughs> um So Sam <clears throat> Sam arrives uh at the Empire State Building, and I'm almost crying now. 
I'm not crying because we're getting close to Sam and Annie get back together. I'm almost crying because Sam's got his kid and he's safe. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Oh my I'm, god. I'm like, when they're like <laughs> hugging when he when he like finds him and they're hugging and he like doesn't he ask Jonah like did I do something wrong yes. like have I messed up somewhere and oh, I'm like make me my cry. heart is breaking. You're like, gonna make me cry. God, buddy. <laughs> Tell your daddy you love him. <laughs> oh, it's they both both Tom Hanks and Josh whatever his name is. I think Josh. That's gonna bug me. Ross. Awesome. Ross. Um, they're both really good in here, and uh, I love this. Um, Meg gets to the Empire State Building. It's closing time. It's too late. Begs to go up. Boom! Another movie reference. The guy, the little guy at the bottom, and a fair to remember. It's my wife's favorite movie. <laughs> so cute. Go on. Delightful. Again, they just miss each other in the elevators, adding up a little bit of tension. It's adorable. Um, so she goes down. She begs the guy, can I just take a look around? The old guy, again, From I guess everyone in New York is nice. Apparently that's the opposite of what yeah. we really hear. <laughs> <laughs> then this, this fucking old man working the elevator, he doesn't have much left on this mortal coil, and he's like, yeah, go ahead, waste, waste more of my time, because I have so much to give. <laughs> so she does go out. She sees the backpack. Now it's here. She she kind of looks down. She sees the backpack. I'm almost positive that on the outside of that backpack, Jonah has attached a Seattle Mariners hat. Mm. That mm. must have been. She must have looked down and be like, "Holy fuck!" Yeah. Sees the backpack. Sam and Jonah come back for the backpack. Sam yes. smitten. <laughs> When he sees her, and I don't blame him because she looks fantastic. She is beautifully shot in the scene, and she is just, she is so beautiful. She's so beautiful. They play the scene perfectly. I love this line. You know, like, they're, they're, one of the ushers is like, <clears throat> I'm, I'm so glad you guys are having this romantic moment with your stalker. But I would really like to go home. <laughs> all, all the oh, subtext in that. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, that kid. But then um, Sam says, we better go. Shall we? And then offers his hand. I'm like, oh, it's so fucking. <laughs> it's romantic. It's awesome. I would happily let Tom Hanks take me wherever he wants. <laughs> I'll take Meg I could Ryan. not say no to him. <laughs> I'll take Meg Ryan anywhere. <laughs> oh, I had the biggest crush on her. I love the way that she's looking at him as they're walking towards the elevator. She is looking him up and down. Not in a lustful way. In a, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe this is you. I can't believe I'm doing this something so outside my comfort zone and she's just looking at him she just keeps looking she doesn't really look at his face very much she's just kind of looking at him down his hands and then they get in the elevator <clears throat> i can't remember what her last line is i think it's nice to meet you sam i think that's what she says uh and then we bust into just more great music and that's the movie and that's it our leads are together on screen for two minutes two <laughs> minutes 
Um, okay. It's got you smitten. <laughs> smitten. I'm absolutely, my heart is a flutter. This movie had me believing in true love from a distance as long as you stalk the person properly. Yeah, exactly. As long as you hire a private investigator, find out where they live, go to their house. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, all right, I got some trivia for you. All right. Uh, the scene between Tom Hanks and Victor Garber crying over the movie The Dirty Dozen was completely improvised during the take. <laughs> Cute. I love it. Um, despite playing the role of his sister in the movie, Rita Wilson is the real-life wife of Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah. They had been married for five years at the time of the release of this movie. Man, they've been married forever. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um... Mary Kelly was the name that Sam Baldwin gave the eighth girl he made it with in college. Uh, Mary Kelly is the script supervisor and also <laughs> played a bit role as the nervous woman on the plane. <laughs> nice. Uh, and the last one, which I mentioned already, uh, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks share approximately two minutes of screen time. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, some casting what ifs. Uh, the role of Annie was originally offered to Julia Roberts. Damn. Another hot 90s star. Yeah, she turned it down. Uh, Kim Basinger was also offered the role, but turned it down because she thought the premise was ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Jennifer Jason Leigh, and Jodie Foster declined as well. Wow. Um, Nicole Kidman was considered for the role. Damn. As was Demi Moore. Uh, Gary Marshall was originally slated to direct the film. Hmm. Gary Marshall directed Pretty Woman. Um, Dennis Quaid was considered for the male lead. Uh, Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan were actually married at this time. Hmm. Uh, Michael Keaton was considered for the role. Wow. Bill pa- you would have loved that. <laughs> yeah. Bill Paxton was considered for the role. And somebody else was considered for the role that would have made this movie atrociously bad. John Travolta. <laughs> this movie would be terrible if he was in this movie. Terrible. Terrible. That's incredible. That's so funny. All right. Favorite quote. Jordan, give me your favorite quotes. All right. So I have uh I have 7. All right. Um the first the first one's a little long, but okay. it's the be- it's near the beginning when okay. uh Sam is talking to um Dr. Marsha Fieldstone. Mm-hmm. It starts with Sam saying well, I'm going to get out of bed every morning, breathe in and out all day long. Then after a while, I won't have to remind myself to get out of bed every morning and breathe in and out. And then after a while, I won't have to think about a, how I had it great and perfect for a while. Oh. And she says, tell me what was so special about your wife. And Sam says, well, how long is your program? Oh. Well, it was a million tiny little things that when you added them up, they meant we were supposed to be together. And I knew it. I knew it from the very first time I touched her. It was like coming home only to no home I'd ever known. I was just taking her hand to help her out of a car, and I knew. It was like magic. Oh, you're melting my heart. I love that. It's so cute. Awesome. <laughs> um, then my second one uh, is uh, from Walter. And uh, he says, look, Annie, this is when they're talking at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, Annie, I love you, but let's leave that out of this. I don't want to be someone that you're settling for. I don't want to be someone that anyone settles for. Marriage is hard enough without bringing such low expectations into it, isn't it? I nice. love that line. Yep. 
Next line is between Sam and Jay. It's the tiramisu. <laughs> Sam's like, well, what is tiramisu? And Jay says, you'll find out. Well, what is it? You'll see. Some woman is going to want me to do that to her. And I'm not going to know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Um, the next next one is from Jonah. And he says, thanks for dinner. I've never seen potatoes cooked like that before. <laughs> <laughs> He's so sarcastic. He's such so a little sarc- douche. <sighs> Oh, I love it. And then this next one is Jonah asks Sam uh, if he believes in heaven. And Sam says, I never did. I mean, the whole idea of an afterlife. But now I don't know, because I have these dreams about your mom. And we have these long talks about you and how you're doing, which she short, she short, she sort of knows. But I tell her anyway. So what is that? That's an afterlife. Sort of an afterlife, isn't it? Uh, and then at one point, I can't remember where this is, but Sam... This almost might be with Jay. Sam says, I'm not looking for a mail-order bride. I just want someone I can have a conversation with over dinner. And then the last one is Jonah. He says, a hoe, a hoe. My dad's been <laughs> captured by a hoe. <laughs> Perfect. All right. I've got nine. Um, <laughs> first one is uh, your first one as well, but I shortened it. It's Sam. Well, I'm going to get out of bed every morning, breathe in and out all day long. Then after a while, I won't have to remind myself to get out of bed every morning and breathe in and out. And then, after a while, I won't have to think about how I had it great and perfect for a while. Next one is an exchange between Sam and Jonah. There's no way that we're going on a plane to meet some woman who would be crazy, sick, lunatic. Didn't you see Fatal Attraction? You wouldn't let me! Well, I saw it, and it scared the shit out of me! It scared the shit out of every man in America! Number three is from Becky. A movie. That's your problem. You don't want to be in love. You want to be in love in a movie. Number four is Jonah. A hoe! A hoe! My dad's been captured by a hoe! Number five is Becky again. Verbal ability is highly overrated thing in a guy. And it's our pathetic need for it that gets us into so much trouble. Uh, number six is uh, a little back and forth between Jonah and Sam yet again. Talk to her, Dad. She's a doctor. Of what? Her first name could be doctor. Uh, from Jay. Things are a little different now. First, you have to be friends. You have to like each other. Then you neck. This could go on for years. Then you have tests, and then you get to do it with a condom. The good news is, you split the check. Number eight is Sam. We better go. Shall we? And the last one is from Greg. Right, honey? Right. (laughs) Nice. Awesome. What is your pick for favorite quote? It's the first one I read out. Ugh. I just think it's so it's so beautiful and it it's, is. He just delivers it so well and I just I love it. Oh, I that is an excellent pick. I'm going to go with the one that hit really close to home for me. A movie. That's your problem. <laughs> you don't want to be in love. You want to be in love in a movie. Yeah. Uh favorite scene. All right. So I have uh 5. Okay. Uh, so I have the pep talk between Sam and Jay at the diner. Yep. Uh, I have the uh, kind of that early scene where Sam's talking about his wife to Dr. Feldstone. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Jonah and uh, Sam reuniting in New York. Okay. I have uh, when Victoria comes over to cook and Jonah is having none of it. Yep. Uh, and then when Walter and Annie agree to part ways at that dinner. All right. Uh, I've got six. Um, this is long, but I'm using Annie's drive and Sam on the radio. The whole thing is one scene. Okay. Um, the New Year's dream of Maggie. Uh, Jonah's nightmare. Annie going to Seattle. 
Uh, Sam with Lucy and Greg and the discussion about an affair to remember and the dirty dozen and the right honey, right? <laughs> uh, and I'm using the final scene, the Empire State Building, uh, the the, yeah. the romantic ending altogether. Uh, your favorite scene? My favorite scene's actually the diner scene with Sam and Jay. I just think it's so fucking funny. Nice. It's just like a nice little a nice little break in the movie. Perfect. Uh, my favorite scene is the beginning. Uh, Annie's drive and Sam on the radio. Uh, great facial acting from Annie as she's listening, and we get that gr- that scene has your favorite quote in it uh, as well. Um, Sam talking about his wife. I think that's going to be my favorite scene. Nice. All right, closing credits. Are there any Oscar-worthy performances in this film? No. <laughs> no. Uh, I don't think so. No, I've seen all five of the best actor uh, performances. Uh Tom Hanks can't get in there. Meg, I've only seen... Actually, at this point, I've only seen two of the Best Actress nominations. I'm going to bet you I haven't seen any of these. (laughs) uh, And sorry, Meg, I think you're doing a great job, but you're not better than Angela Bassett or Emma Thompson so far this year, so I can't put you in there. (sighs) Emma Thompson? Yeah. What's that movie for? The Remains of the Day. (sighs) I think that is on my list to watch. We'll see if I get there. Uh, what other aspects of the film are award-worthy? It did get a nomination for Best Original Screenplay and Best Song. I don't see anything else that it should get in for. No, I don't think so either. I like the screenplay nod, Nom. I think it's well-written, but... Yeah, I, I, I can't give anything for the cinematography... Uh, the art decoration, art direction, set decoration, no, a lot of on location, so I can't give it there. Costume, sadly, because it's a current film, the costuming isn't going to get anything. Uh, yeah, nothing there. Yeah. Uh, weak link of the film. I think for me, it's that you have Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan in a movie, and they only get to share <laughs> screen time for two minutes. I think that kills me. I just I love I love their I love their relationship in You've Got Mail and I love their banter when they meet in person mm-hmm. and I love their their cuteness when they're they're messaging each other mm-hmm. and I don't know to, and I also think it's a little bit of a shame to not totally get to have seen Tom Hanks fall in love with Meg Ryan the way we got to see Meg Ryan fall in love with Tom Hanks Fair. so I think that's that's my gripe alright Weekly of the film for me is uh, Annie being Jeffrey Dahmer. Also that, actually. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. I should also add that. That was a big red flag for me. <laughs> was this anyone's career highlight? No. No? I don't think so. It's definitely not Tom Hanks's. I don't even think it's Meg Ryan's. For me, at least, I think Meg... When I think of Meg Ryan, I, I still think of uh, You've Got Mail. It's not Rosie's. I don't even, it's not Nora Ephron's, I don't think. I wonder if that could just be a preference thing. Let me just quickly check something. Quickly check on this. Cause I Maybe th- the kids? <laughs> yeah, because he quit. The kids' career highlight? Because <laughs> I don't think he's been <laughs> in anything else. Because um, this movie... Yeah, so both You've Got Mail and this are 
basically made the same amount of money. Damn. Yeah. Like, within, well, five years later, worldwide, you've got mail made more, but Sleepless in Seattle made more money in North America. Mm. So it's kind of a wash. Yeah. And that's, un that's unadjusted for inflation. So they're basically made the same amount yeah. of movie. Um, you can make the argument that this would be Nora Ephron's career highlight because it garnered her an Oscar nomination. Yeah, that's true. So I, I think it's, I, I think Nora Ephron's career highlight is the nineties. Like just the it, entire, it, <laughs> it's, it's this, it's, it's these two films. It's sleepless yeah, in Seattle. <clears throat> it's sleepless in Seattle. And you've got mail that she's mostly remembered for. She's also obviously remember. She also got an Oscar nomination for writing when Harry met Sally. So, you know, three, she's connected to three of the most iconic rom-coms of all time. Um, so yeah, you know, you can pick and choose there. Um, this isn't obviously isn't Tom Hanks career highlight. Uh, and it's not Meg Ryan's. Um, I don't even know what is Tom Hanks career highlight, but it's not this. <laughs> We talked about it in Forrest Gump. We, th I think it's Forrest Gump. I don't yeah. like. I don't like that it is because I actually don't really like that movie that much. I don't dislike I actually it. Haven't seen it. You haven't seen Forrest Gump? <laughs> I've seen bits. I don't know. I've seen bits and pieces of it. And I remember when you guys were doing your, because that was 94, right? Yep. You guys were doing your review, and I didn't have Forrest Gump on there, and Sam was angry. I'm like, I just haven't seen it. It's not that I omitted it. I just haven't, I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. I hope you watch it soon. I, I will. It's I'm... on my list. I just feel like I just keep putting it off and off and off, because what if it's not as good as I want it to be kind of deal. Interesting. I need to I need to sit myself down and watch it. I just... I have not sat through beginning to end. I've seen bits and pieces because it's on, been on TV and my parents have been watching it, but I've never, beginning to end, sat through that movie. Oh, I'm very intrigued now. Yeah. Will this make anyone's highlight reel? Probably. 100%. Yeah. This is... Well, this is one of Nora Ephron's big three. Yep. This is definitely one of the movies that Meg Ryan is known for, and this is a movie that Tom Hanks is known for. Yeah, absolutely. So it'll make their highlight reels. And their heartthrob years. Yeah. Uh, who's the MVP of the film? I think the kid. <laughs> nice. Nice. I'm going Nora Ephron. Oh, the, yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, I think, it's I think it's her direction and her writing um, that elevate this movie. Uh, I yeah. think if this was... If, I think if this was directed by a man, he wouldn't have been able to help guide Meg Ryan's performance to a level where you are okay with the things that she does. Um, what will be this film's legacy? I don't know. For me, it's that it's the other Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks movie. <laughs> You're one of the very few people because you've I got bet I am. you've got mail yeah. is the other Tom Hanks yeah. and Meg Ryan movie. And, yeah. and trust me, don't worry about not knowing about Joe versus the volcano. A lot of people <laughs> don't even know that that was the first movie these two people shared together. I've just never I've never heard of that movie. I've never seen it come across anything anywhere. That's hilarious. Hold on, I'm gonna double. I want. 
Would it be because this was Nora Ephron's directorial debut? No, this isn't her directorial debut. This no. is her second movie. Her second? Yeah. Hold on. I just want to double check something. Where are we? 1990. Joe versus the volcano. Uh, all right. Are you ready? I'm gonna give you the I'm gonna give you the plot synopsis for Joe versus the volcano. Oh boy. Okay. okay. When a hypochondriac learns that he is dying, he accepts an offer to throw himself in a volcano at a tropical island, and along the way there learns to truly live. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Who's it directed by? <laughs> I don't even know this. John Patrick Shanley. What else have you done? Oh, she did Moonstruck. Oh, in Congo. Oh, in Doubt. God damn, this guy's... Oh, you just wrote them. <laughs> Didn't direct them. What did you direct? Oh, shit. <clears throat> he directed something. Oh, he directed Doubt. Wild Mountain Time. An Emily Blunt John Hamm movie. Hmm. 42 Not Metas Emily Blunt. 42 Metascore. <laughs> wow okay um would you watch this movie again i don't know Pro i'm I mean, probably if like someone wanted to watch it but quite frankly if i'm in the mood for a rom-com starring meg ryan and tom hanks i'm not gonna pick this one i'm gonna pick the other one. <laughs> oh, you're gonna pick joe versus the volcano good for you yeah absolutely Thank uh 100 i'll watch this again yeah i've watched this movie numerous times I'd watch this a thousand more times. I fucking love this movie. <laughs> would you recommend this movie to friends? Yeah, probably. I would have to preface them with, it's a bit stalkerish, but have fun. <laughs> I wouldn't preface it at all. I'd want to see their face <laughs> when they realize that this is a, a Dahmer Dobler, <laughs> Dobler movie. I've, I would 100% recommend this to friends. I It's yeah. pretty rare for me to meet somebody that hasn't seen this. Uh, yeah. Obviously, especially people in my age range. Because this was a, a massive hit and incredibly popular. So, yeah, I'd recommend this movie to friends. Your final thoughts on Sleepless in Seattle? I think Sleepless in Seattle is a fine little rom-com to put on. Uh, I think you get great performances from Meg Ryan, from Tom Hanks. Uh, the supporting characters are great. You, know, you got Rosie O'Donnell. You got the kid. The kid's an absolute blast. He's having a great time throughout the whole movie. Um, it definitely defies some rom-com tropes. I, I think it's a good time. It's not my favorite rom-com. It's not one I'm going to go back to uh, all too often, I don't think. Um, I think there's others that I definitely prefer to watch. Um, but I can definitely see the appeal, and I can definitely understand growing up in the 90s and getting, like, you know, watching these movies as they came out mm -hmm. definitely kind of puts rose-colored glasses on a lot, of the, a lot of the things that I had issues with in particular stalkerish uh, qualities <laughs> that Annie had throughout the movie. Sometimes she just goes a little, a little too far for my for my liking. Uh, and I think that's just watching it for the first time in 2022 and not 1993. Totally. You know, like 29 years later. Um, but yeah, I would say overall, I, I still had a good time watching it. Um, you never have a bad time watching Tom Hanks on a movie screen. So I enjoyed it, but I think it's one that it's not very high on my rom-com list. Fair enough. Uh, this is in my top ten for sure. Not my top five, but in my top ten. Did it make my top five? No, there's no way it could have. I don't think it did make no. your top five. I'd have to redo that because uh, it's possible Longshot might be in my top five now. 
But yeah, the, I oh. oh, I fucking love that movie. Um, I'm a That's big fun. I'm a big fan of this movie. Watching it, it'd been actually a while because I like I said, I'm pretty sure I hadn't watched this since I had my daughter and she's eight years old. So might might been close to a decade since I watched this last. And it immediately just filled me with joy. I was laughing. I was giggling. I was having a great time. As soon as the <clears throat> private investigator and the watching the kid on the beach, I immediately I was like, oh, this is Dahmer or Dobbler. I'm, it's all over the Dahmer or Dobbler effect here. Uh, I had a great time with this movie. Uh, I will be re-watching this movie probably pretty often. Uh, I, I can't get enough of this movie. No, it has been a lot of fun talking about this movie with someone who does truly love this movie and getting to hear all the little bits and pieces that just make your heart warm. It's been very cute. Awesome. Uh, all right, time to give the movie a rating out of five. Unfortunately, you're on the podcast, so you can't give half points. No, I cannot. That's Jordan, okay. <laughs> what are you giving Sleepless in Seattle? I'm giving Sleepless in Seattle a solid three out of five. Perfect. This is actually hard for me. I bet it is. I honestly can't think of a reason why I shouldn't give this a five. I had nothing but a great time watching it. I loved everything about it. And I think I'm just fighting the urge to give it a five. <laughs> so it's getting a four for right now. Man. It's getting a four for right now for no other reason that I, for some reason, want to resist giving it a five. I, Interesting. I, I can't think of why I shouldn't. So as of right now, it's getting a four. That's most likely going to change by the time I get around to doing the top ten of this year. Fair. I don't know that this will make... Well, to be fair, I haven't watched a lot of 93 movies. I've made a list of movies to watch, and I haven't watched most of them yet. Did I... Did I... Did I give you a recommended list for 93? No. No? I will do that for you. All right. Thank I you. Will, uh, as soon as we're done recording, I'll just yeah. ask you a couple questions to figure out yeah. what you're kind of looking for. Absolutely. All right. Next week, we are doing a double feature of Tom Hanks as we will be reviewing Philadelphia, his Oscar-winning performance in a film co-starring Denzel Washington. I haven't watched Philadelphia in at least 15, maybe 20 years. So I'm really excited to revisit this one. Yeah, you guys are going to have fun. I just watched it for the first time last year and I fucking loved it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good shit. Um, so that's what's going on next week. Uh, thank you, Jordan, for answering the call. Uh, we had like an epically long episode, too. <laughs> did manage I'm, to have a really long episode despite uh, Sam not even being here. That's I know. incredible. I know. Uh, it's always a pleasure having you on. Yeah. I'm truly in your debt uh, for stepping up to the plate. Uh, I had a lot of fun having an episode just me and you. Yeah, good. this was super fun. Good. This I'm, is my audition to take over Sam's job full time. Fuck yeah. <laughs> fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck Sam. Fuck yeah. So, <laughs> 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 Do you... <laughs> Do you know what my middle name is? No. Okay, here. I'm going to give it to you right now. I'm going to re It's no longer the Samuel Emanuel movie podcast. It is now the Jordan and Jason podcast, movie <laughs> podcast. Oh hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's brilliant. <laughs> oh, 
I'm down. I'm so down. This has been an absolute delight. Perfect. I'm super happy I took the... I'm super happy I took the call last minute. Yeah, this me was, too. This was a lot of fun. I did. I had, a, I had an absolute great time. Uh, I'm I'm glad you didn't hate the movie and I was able to, yeah. uh, to provide some laughs. Uh, I had an absolute blast with you, Jordan. I truly do appreciate you stepping up and, and saving this week's podcast. It meant the world to me. Anytime. Uh, awesome. It was great having you on seven times now. I know. And, and we have another one lined up in just a few yeah, weeks. Yeah, I was about to say. I, I'm pretty sure I'm on here pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, in like three weeks. Three weeks, yeah. 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 Oh, I'm so excited for that one. Me too. I also got to say, it was kind of nice being on a podcast where I didn't like reference a book. Like I didn't have to reference one of my books. Yeah, right? <laughs> I was about to speak. <laughs> there was no rants. I didn't go on any sci-fi tangents. It was great. No, I did. You did. You went on a fun tangent. That was great. <laughs> yeah, you definitely got the got to hear Angry Manny for once. Uh, it was good times. Um, but yeah, I, I appreciate you have coming on saving the day. It was I had so much fun tonight. Yeah, uh, this was this was great. <laughs> awesome. I look forward to seeing you again in just a few weeks. Absolutely. Uh, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes to give us a five star rating and a positive review. It does increase the profile of our podcast. You can also rate. And I don't think you can review us, but you can rate us on Spotify as well. We would truly appreciate it. It takes like two seconds to do so. We would <laughs> love it if you did. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. You can follow us on Facebook at the Samuel Manny Movie Podcast. You can email us at sammanymoviepodcast at gmail.com. So for the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. A ho, a ho. My dad's been captured by a ho. I'm Jordan Spires. Adios. <laughs>